It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome in. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes. Gum Grafter back in the control room. CB at the switches, fresh off his tweeting of yesterday. Boys, how we feeling? You know, AR, my man, I'm doing all right, man. Hanging in there. Things are, you know, churning in the sports world. We got things happening in Big Ten country. Can you can you hear um, that noise, Maddie? You know what that is? Well, the NFL uh, around the no, corner? No, 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 there's another noise that, that's out there. It's what do you got? A little bit of, it's a heartbeat. There's a little faint pulse going on. Are we doing this still, again? Yeah, we are doing it again because I'm 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 still in that camp. I'm still in the camp, and I'm. It's not about right or wrong. I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen. Okay. And I, I people are asking the old question. We'll get to all the headlines today, and now you got. You know what I find so amazing is that we can't get 14 presidents on the record. Like with a with a with a local reporter, this is how I felt on August 11th. This is how I this I said yay or nay, or this is how, where I stood. This was my lean on things. When the commissioner asked me where I stood, this is what I said. Like I don't know why we can't get all of them to articulate where they stood on August 11th, which is different than where they may stand on September 1st. Right? I mean, all we've been saying, you and I and everyone, for five six months is this was going to be a day-to-day, week-to-week feel on where we are in the pandemic. Where's my risk tolerance? Where's the confidence? Knowing full well that if they opened up these campuses, there'd probably be a spike, despite everyone wearing masks. You can't police everyone. And I find it really incredibly ironic that we can't get them to say what they think. These aren't the peons of the world. These are presidents of universities. Right. We can't get them to publicly say, hey, this is how I feel. doesn't make me right. doesn't make me wrong. This is how I feel. My job is to protect my campus and our student-athletes and our culture here, and this is how I feel. No one brainwashed me. No one convinced me. I, I, I read, my, I read the, the medical advice, and this is how I feel. Like, I find it amazing. We can't get people to say that. But... We can get a commissioner on a phone call with the White House today, apparently. Like, that can happen. Like, so... If, yeah. And so, if yesterday, when you and I left the air, it was disclosed, uh, I think through The Athletic and other, and Chicago Tribune and, and others, were reporting that, indeed, there was a vote, in air quotes, on whether to postpone slash cancel the fall football season with 11 of the 14 in favor of the move. And then it was reported that Ohio State, Nebraska, and Iowa were the three that weren't, that they didn't want to to do that. And I guess that makes sense from all the things we've, we've kind of heard. Yeah. And then there's this narrative out there that this vote never really happened and that this is all one big lie and cover-up by the Big Ten to cover their you-know-whats. And I just kept thinking, why, if I'm a president of a university, like, okay, if I voted that I, was, that I didn't feel safe to move on with the season, why would I care if that was attached to me? That's, I'm a president of a university. I've got to speak. Like, what am I hiding behind? And then 
And and if I didn't vote that way, then I certainly wouldn't want to know attached to me if I didn't. Right. So if you're telling me that 11 of the 14 said, I, I'm voting to delay, I'm voting to cancel fall the fall season, we'll revisit it later or when the calendar flips to 2021. If that didn't happen, then why why would I want my name attached to that if it if that's how it's being reported? So I I just find this very interesting today. I do believe that depending on and I've said this to you for about a week, the Big Ten isn't going to reverse course instantly. They're not going to snap their fingers and say, Well, we got a lot of pushback, we got some lawsuits going. A little march to Chi-Town, some small campus rallies. You know what? We hear you. Turn the lights back on. Like, I don't think that's happening. But what I do think could happen is they have a little bit of luxury of seeing now that campuses are somewhat open, can they make it? Can these other conferences make it? Can they play a couple games and make it without getting shut down? And if so, if we see three to four weeks of evidence of that, and I'm speaking to the Big Ten as we, then I do believe that we will move towards a restart of this season. That's my gut. It's no, it's, it's all I, that's, and I'm not saying they even have to play 10. I don't know where that's coming from. Like, I think if they got six to eight games, they'd have enough data to be included in whatever playoff could exist this year. But I do think now that we're in this spot. I think they'll probably wait and use whatever evidence they can over the next three weeks to five or a month or whatever it is, and then they'll make another decision. I believe that. I don't know if it's true, but that's my gut. No, no, no. And with the new information that came out there today, I can definitely see how you got there. And that, to me, it kind of brings me back towards the middle where I was the other day. I still, um, I don't want to say it's a long shot, but, you know, when you've got the White House involved and... We mentioned it yesterday with the new t- rapid testing that's been made available. And I know, you know, you got the Pac-12 and Conference USA going to three tests a week. And those are things that can make you feel better, uh, a little bit better as a fan. But more importantly, the presidents that have to make those decisions. Is this mm-hmm. new information going to be enough to get them to go back the other direction? And it's going to be a wait and see type deal. But mm-hmm. I actually, I absolutely think that that should be a factor because at the time when the decision was made, Kevin Warren threw it out there that, you know, it was overwhelmingly, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. cited and when it came to the medical information. And that's fine. I'm willing. I was willing to be okay with that. But you had to reveal that info. And I thought the Pac-12 AR did a good job with how they put it out there. They had a 12-page document and everyone under their umbrella, under the Pac-12 umbrella, you could accept that more because at the time you knew what you were dealing with here in our neck of the woods. It's been so frustrating for everyone involved because it, it hasn't been clear. Even when Kevin Warren went on the big 10 network and sat down with Dave Revson and he had a chance to clear up the situation, he didn't do that. So we've just had all these different difficulties dealing with the conference. And now when you get the information yesterday, that's part of what we were asking for. At least what I was asking for is put a name on it, put a number on it and let's get the information out there. I don't understand why the conference decided to sit back and hold some of the info. I don't know why it took a lawsuit and protest and letters and all that stuff for all of us to get this. I think they wanted to be because they wanted to throw off a unified stance. 
but that was why. My, and he, he only wanted to re- reveal what he felt he needed to until it backfired. But there was That's nothing. But there was no nothing unified. There was so much confusion. Ar, we still don't technically know the whole situation, and that's why, to me, this has been so frustrating. Is because mm-hmm. week to week, this has gone well. They had a vote, and then we had ads and presidents on the yep. record saying we don't really know how the or how the vote went down or whatever the situation was. We had those guys and gals on the record clarifying that. So that's why it's been such a problem. It's been a PR mess for the Big Ten. And where we go from here, I think AR is going to, in my opinion, mm-hmm. be well, are the medical experts that got to these presidents that gave them information that late you know led towards them voting. No, let's postpone it. Is the new stuff going to sway those people again it's a wait and see type of deal but i do think ar in the college football world you got some stuff kind of moving that direction with the new information being handed out about the rapid test that these coaches and schools can have at their fingertips if they decide to go down that route well that's going to be what i keep saying that will determine their confidence level you're right rapid testing will help it's not a vaccine but a lot of these place a lot of these conferences are going forward regardless of having 100% certainty. And I keep coming back to, okay, you want to call up the University of Minnesota president, Joan Gable, for saying that she wouldn't call it a vote? Well, she called it a deliberative process. She did. They said that they came to a decision together. So do I feel that every one of the presidents was 100% dug in on their feel? No, I'm sure there was a, a process do I think that Warren said, okay, yay or nay, Minnesota, yay or nay? I, I don't know. But I do feel like this narrative that he brainwashed these presidents, uh, you know, could they have been convinced if they were in the middle? I guess. Maybe they were led to believe that the other conferences would follow suit. We don't want to be the last in line. It's not safe. They're amateurs. They're student-athletes. Let's not put dollars over safety. Like, maybe they were convinced because they were accused five months ago of they'll probably trot them out there for the TV dollars. Yeah. So, that's, so they were getting it from both ends. They were, they were, they were getting crushed for trotting them out there. You, well, you can't use amateur athletes to save your athletic programs. That's ridiculous. These are student-athletes. You can't mm-hmm. do it. You can't have, your, you can't have both. You can't call them student-athletes and then trot them out there with no fans, college football, to play for the money. You can't do that. And then when they decided, uh, you're right, it's too much uncertainty, we're not going to do that, they got crushed that way. Like, what yep. do you mean you're not going to do it? <laughs> right. Like, everyone else is doing it. Why, what are you talking about? Now, so it's been very complicated. And so this is where we arrive today, and right before we come on the air... Uh, President Trump tweets that he had a conversation with Kevin Warren and that it went well and that it was uh, he talked about starting up Big Ten football and how great it would be and we're on the one yard line. All right, well, okay. what are you calling? What are you calling? What are you <laughs> calling? Up. What are you calling, Donald? What are you calling there? <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> if you can't get a oh, yard, man. you don't deserve a season. It's the most real um, football line that's out there. If you can't right. get a yard, you don't deserve to win. You don't. I'm sorry. Right. Um, so the availability of the testing and the confidence level will go hand in hand, I yep. do believe. Yep. 
I, I'm going to say this from a PR standpoint. There is no way the Big Ten snaps their fingers and flips the lights back on this week. Like, I just don't see that. I would be, I would be yeah. very surprised if that happened. You're saying as far as, like, practices and stuff? I don't think they need to. Yeah. The, the, reason that, the reason that people were so caught up, in my opinion, on, well, why did they put the schedule out and then rip out the season? Like, how stupid was that? They had hit the wall. Training camp was ready to start. They were going to knock heads and swap spit. This was it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why. And they had to have one working while the other one was working. Like, they didn't have to go hand in hand. Like, like, cause let's say you got to the point where training camp was going to start and you didn't have a schedule. Like, you were waiting to see if you could have camp. They right. were doing both things equally, so in case they both timed up right. So, I understand from an optics standpoint, it looked very stupid and made the conference look stupid. But I, I'm not getting caught up in that. They knew they were getting ready to go full contact, and that's why they pulled the plug. Should they have done it definitively? In my opinion, no. They yeah. should have delayed it. They had time to delay it. This was always a fluid situation. You never could get to a day in the year where you said, that's enough. We're shutting it down. Like, I would have been okay if you tried it and got to that point. Mm-hmm. And I understood, and you and I have always been on this, I think, objectivity part of that nobody knows for sure. Like, right. when people say to me, oh, well, the other conferences are playing, I would say, yeah, they are. They're giving it a shot. They're giving it a shot. Doesn't make them right, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make it like they'll definitely get through. I don't know. If the Big Ten is going to try to play 10 games 10 weeks straight, that's a pretty bold move. I don't think they need to play 10. I always say, I've been saying to you for weeks, I think if they got started in mid to late October and they were able to jam in six games, I think a team like Ohio State, if they went undefeated in those six, depending on which six they were, I still think they'd have enough data. I think the committee would, would go this year as opposed to all other years on who we actually think are the best even if we don't have enough, because you knew you weren't going to have enough. You weren't yep. going to have those big non-conference games to go on. You weren't going to have home crowds. Did this team go into that stadium and win? Like You weren't going to have those huge data points that you usually have, because when you go into a road hostile environment and pull it off, it should be worth more. And you wouldn't have that this year. So it was going to be a crazy year. The fact that Warren took the call, or that he was on this call, makes me believe that they're not just locked into we're not playing. Like well, I do, you, you know what I mean. You, I do. Can feel you like ignore the president's opening. call though? <laughs> can you? I feel no, like I the phone call you got to take. You know, like no, I don't, gonna, uh, Kevin, hey, uh, <laughs> anything going on in the country? Anything else going on? <laughs> right, exactly. No, uh, look, I, I, I have to admit. That's something you can't ignore. With the president, the White House hops on a call with the commissioner. That 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 is something. Now, where it goes from here, we'll see. But I, I'll just say this: Ar, they've had so many chances to make this a smoother ride along the way. And when you had the schedule roll out, that to me, I, I didn't love that. But on the flip side of it, my whole thing was just wait a little bit. Just wait a little bit. You had the schedule built the way it was to allow you to make decisions along the way. So now that we've got this out there. And before today, we had the whole kind of story thrown out there about, you know, a Thanksgiving kind of kickoff. And look, I kind of, I kind of understand that a little bit, but we brought up and I thought you made a great point about the competitive angle of that, especially with Ohio State world. Well, are you in the mix? Are you in the mix for the national championship? Now that's a wait and see type deal, but I do understand the thinking of, okay, if you've got students, that are going to be maybe leaving campus after finals right around Thanksgiving time that can create a little bit of a kind of fake bubble, if you will, with the players and less people around on campus. I understand that. 
But we got to get to a world, I think, if we do decide to kick off some football, where we got to match up these timelines because we know what the conversation is going to be from the other conferences looking at Ohio State, whether it's six, eight, or ten games, and saying, well, you know, do they really deserve to do it if we played eight to ten games and they only played six? Those are conversations I cannot wait to have, AR. But I will say this. We have to give the conference a little bit of credit, even though it took a lawsuit for them to roll out the information, to finally roll it out there. This is what we've been pushing them for, was to give us more. Give us more information. We heard it from parents. You can't just throw the statement out there and run and go high. This is too serious of a situation. So the fact that this is out there, even though the timing of it isn't great, we're headed down the right road on that front. Now, on the football front, I'm fascinated by what's going to happen here in the next couple days because you mentioned the Mm -hmm. rapid testing, and when you get a call from the White House, that obviously is big-time stuff. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see, but I'm just going to stay neutral on this are i'm not going to get too down or too happy about it but it does kind of perk you up a little bit more when you see the the information that came out shortly before we hopped on it's a fairly big lean for me i still think the big 10 will take we'll look at some evidence here on when these other teams get started other conferences get started campuses open up can they sustain for a little bit i don't think they need to flip it right away as i said but i do i am confident that it's going to happen if if and it's the big one the country stays the same or or gets better like you can't have like i do feel like if there's some sort of heavy spike on campus like that would that would be we've a problem. seen those we've um, seen those right yeah that, that, that's right. what's interesting to so, me is how much of that new information that they're getting yeah. with all these spikes kind of happening around campus how is that affecting them i think there's been some games moved back to a or another sure. conferences but that's what well, we made get, the schedule for you know yeah yeah yep. let's get to that let's take a break because you and i okay. could do three hours with no commercials but unfortunately <laughs> they don't allow us to do that right. uh we'll come back we'll give you the latest on when they could flip the switch and even more details coming out of the conference. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets Hockey. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, we'll talk to Pete Futek, College Football News 1233. Uh, we will do a little fantasy talk today with Derek Brown, senior fantasy analyst of FTN Network at 133. And then the legendary Tom Hamilton, I think, is going to jump on at 233. We'll talk some tribe, talk some baseball. Uh, if you thought this thing was political before, <laughs> uh, put your seatbelt on, because <laughs> if both candidates are going to use this, and I, I think we could all connect the dots here on certain things that... Yeah. You know, it wouldn't hurt one side if you pinned the no season on somebody, and it wouldn't hurt the other side if the season got started and that side was able to take credit for getting it restarted. Like, it's, it's, so that's kind of where we stand right now. And President Trump tweeted that he had a very productive conversation with Kevin Warren. That's something that certainly, if this season started again, that he would take credit for, I imagine. No doubt. And think about where our schools are located and what states and how political this thing could be going forward in the next two months, how big this is. So I'm just here to – you already know it. But if you thought – I mean, we didn't wake up this morning thinking that Kevin Warren was going to be speaking to the president of the United States. We didn't. I didn't, and I know you didn't. Uh, Whether or not this gets – things going i don't know you'll have to get warren's side of the quote productive conversation 
right? Yeah. Like you got, I'm, I'm sure it was polite. Um, productive is to each his own. How productive was the conversation? Now, there's also you don't want to have hope, one-yard line type hope, first and goal at the one, yeah. and not be able to punch it in. Yeah. So I, I, I sit here today, I would say a little more confident in just – it's weird because last night we came off of this, okay, well, now the president's – well, now the athletics reporting, the president's are on the record, 11-3. to 3. Not every single name attached to it, but they did the, the math on it, the three that wanted to, to hold on, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Iowa, and the other – you know, schools were either in the middle and convinced, or like, I don't know. I, it's 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 very hard to understand unless they all just actually get on the record. Yeah, this is how I felt on August 11th. It was that simple. This is right. how I felt. Yeah. Um. And then and then you could ask the follow up. Well, did you want the did you want the season delayed or did you want it canceled? Did, <laughs> like, were you in? Was the question posed to you? And mm-hmm. this is it. You got to be direct. Was the question posed to you? No football, no fall sports in 2020. Period. The end. Was that was that direct, was that question posed to you? And if so, what was your answer? Yeah. Or, or was it a little more general? Like we can't start now, and we probably won't start till next year. And yeah, I guess I'll go with that. Like how lukewarm was this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I don't know if we'll ever be able to get the temperature of that. I, but, I don't think we will. I, yeah. I don't think we will because if they can continue to throw out this type of information, which to me is still somewhat surface level, and that's kind of just been the term I've been using for a lot of this because I don't think they've been going um, quite deep enough on this whole situation because I think the questions that you're asking are, are the questions that need to be asked, and we need to hear more from those type of people. I saw this uh, during the break. CB passed this along to us, AR, uh, Teddy Greinstein from Chicago's Tribune, mm-hmm. sports writer up there. He put out the tweet saying, so much for Big Ten seasons, uh, those other options, talking about Thanksgiving or January, February, and the spring season. He's got a, a quote from a coach, and this isn't going to be surprising, saying, quote, we're trying to play as soon as possible. Let's mm-hmm. go. So, look, we know the coaches and the players. That's going to be their mentality. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's interesting that whatever coach that he spoke to throughout it, that we're ready. Like, we're trying to roll. We don't want to delay. And that just goes to uh, my mind goes down the road of, well, what's been up with the players? players are those guys going to be ready to go because the conversation that we had the other day I think is very important that if you do get a season started you want to be in the mix but these players and coaches need the right amount of time to get going whether that's a week two weeks whatever that situation is as a player you know you got to get your body right it's different man you got to go out there and be ready to get hit but these coaches also know that hey man look we got to get it going as fast as possible we don't want to just play a season that doesn't amount to anything and I guess you could roll out you know the Rose Bowl since the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are playing or whatever. I don't know how that would work out, but that's not the ultimate goal. Cool, it would be fun to still have a Rose Bowl with the two conferences involved and all that history there. But this from the coach, this quote, I thought it piqued my interest just a little bit, AR, because they're in the mindset of we can play fairly quickly. We don't want to wait, which to me Mm -hmm. lets me know that their players feel like they're in good enough game shape to go if they make the call. Uh, That's certainly what they believe. I, I, why wouldn't they? They're young, they're strong, they're motivated. Of course, you know, would it be ideal? No, but they'd be right. They they could get ready to go. And 
they'll get ready to go as much as they can be ready to go in the time frame that they're allotted. I think that's it. It's not. I don't think you'll ever get anybody saying, well, I mean, you could get people saying, yeah, we wish we had more, but that's not what their focus will be on. Their focus will be to streamline their training camp because they want to play and they know how big it is. The SEC announced they were going to that 10-game conference-only schedule. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong about this. I, does the Big Ten have to play 10 games to be eligible? Like, is that is that uh, cemented? Is that etched in stone that they don't play I, 10? Like, I don't know. I, why I don't would know. there I just, be enough data if you yeah. had enough games where if you played 8 and they played 10, that what, you immediately wouldn't be eligible? I unless, that, unless I miss something somewhere that the College Football Playoff Committee has already put out that you have to play this amount of games to be eligible, no, like, I wouldn't think so. Not no, this it's a year. Question. No, it's just I remember them throwing out maybe the last week or the week before that yeah. they were going to roll out some of their rankings in early November, I believe sure. it was. So that's what they put out there. But on, on that front, I don't know if they've answered that because I don't know if they've had to answer, right? That, that situation hasn't been posed to them just yet, but I think that's kind of a down-the-road thing. But it absolutely adds so much to the pot of just college football if you do have a powerhouse brand whether it's Penn State or Ohio State coming out of the Big Ten and they've played you know two less games lesser games in those other conferences I can't wait to see how that's managed but it does there's a little bit more bounce to our step today with this and I can understand rightfully so when you got you know the biggest name in our country you know stepping in and trying to change this whole deal so I absolutely you know where it's motivated by of course no of course you can't ignore that that absolutely is the real sure. thing with what's coming on November 3rd. So that, no, that, that that's uh, the elephant in the room here. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what information Kevin Warren comes back with after this phone call because the, we'll never know what was said on that whole conversation. But the medical things um, we know have been quite the complication involved with college football because other conferences are viewing it through a different lens than the Big Ten is because we're hearing, they are hearing from different medical experts. So I don't know how that gets cleared up because, you know, the Big Ten is going to dig in on the information that they've been going off of this entire time. We'll ask Pete Futek that question and more when he joins us next. Rothman and Ice on The Fan. Head to 971thefan.com to listen on demand and subscribe to all our podcasts. Wasting time has never been easier. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Your home for hockey and hounds. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back, Rothman and Ice. Pete Futek, our man on the case. Collegefootballnews.com jumps on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Pete, welcome back. What's going on, guys? How you been? Well, we are <laughs> we're hanging. We're hanging by a thread, man. And so over the last, I don't know, twelve hours or so or, or you know, half a day, you get the big ten, whatever clarity there was there. Do you feel like Warren is a little bit off the hook now when you hear that eleven three vote? Or are you st- are you in the camp of that? He was carrying the narrative and was able to knock some of these presidents over into postponing the season. Where do you stand on that, first of all? I Honestly, I've never been against Warren on all this. It's, it's the presidents who have to make the decision here. Warren is just sort of the commissioner of the league. He's not the final call. It's the presidents who make the call on this. And the thing, I, I think it's, it's having grown up my entire just pretty much almost my entire life on or around Big Ten campuses and having a father as an administrator and just being around all this. 
I think it's almost like we're talking about a completely different game than what's actually happening here. We're take, we're, we talk about this like, oh, this stinks. We don't have Big Ten football this year. The reality is the Big Ten is a multi-billion dollar business that would not make this decision that, hey, let's just blow off 600 million, or I'm sorry, 600 billion plus dollars here just for, just because. This is a, I honestly think that they thought, when it, remember when it all started to happen about three weeks ago when uh, all the rumors were coming out that everything was shutting down, I honestly think that they had this, in the Pac-12 and everyone else had pretty much the same information and I think the assumption was every woman's going to be on board of this. The Big Ten just so happened to go first of the big conferences. The MAC went, and then you know, then it was the Big Ten, and then the Pac-12, and the SEC, uh, Big Twelve, and ACC were kind of like, eh, just just wait a wait a second here. Remember, the SEC isn't a hundred percent certain to play. All they're doing is delaying. Now that's the big thing that the Big Ten screwed up is they should have just sort of either delayed this thing. But as we're seeing across the board here, these presidents are just trying to keep the car on the track to get their colleges going, much less deal with football. So I've always sort of been an apologist, even if the PR of this doesn't really seem to be all that, uh, let's just say, good. Pete, let's talk a little college football playoff because, you know, here, you know, in Columbus, a lot of Buckeye fans and everyone around here expected this team to be absolutely in the mix with everything that they brought back. How many games do you think the committee would need to see from, let's say, a school like Ohio State to make them a legit contender this year? Because, you know, it won't shock me at all if some games get canceled or star players are out due to COVID, whatever it is, all that stuff's in play. Is it six, eight, or does it have to be like a, a full 10 games to see from the Buckeyes? Um, what's your take on that? Ball. First of all, you're, you're, you're assuming the Buckeyes are playing this year. Uh, first of all, Ohio State, they're going to be back next year. Ohio State's going to be great in 2021. They're going to be great in 2028. They're going to oh, be in the Pete, college football Pete, playoff. Pete, Pete, you, 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 we can't gloss over this team, though, man. It doesn't happen yeah, here in Seba. Too good. They're too good. They're always too good. They were too good last yeah. year. They didn't even get to the championship. Look, last year was the year. So, look, next year's going to be the year, too. The year after is going to be the year. 2009 should have been the year. Like, this program is always going to be awesome at college football yeah this team would have been fun obviously because you know it's it's you know Ohio State yeah Justin Fields but you're gonna have another great quarterback this is all gonna go on but to your case answer your question the college football playoff is simple they're gonna say we are going to take the four best teams who are currently playing college football and we're going to decide from there I don't Mm -hmm. think if if the if Ohio State, let's say the Big Ten, I don't think this is happening, but let's say the Big Ten did say, you know, we're going to start up after Thanksgiving and we're going to try to pack in eight games. Yeah, that might be a part of this thing. So they could they could actually you know come up with something like this. But again, I I, I don't think that's happening. Remember, nobody is better at floating out trial balloons than the Big Ten. Remember how you know they floated out the hey, we're going to talk about Texas joining the Big Ten ten years ago. They're they're really good. And just somehow getting stuff out there, letting the public talk about it and debate it, and then they move on. I, there's not going to be a Big Ten season this year. I, I will be shocked if it happens in Thanksgiving. I will be shocked if it happens in the spring. I always kind of thought that was just something they threw out there just to kind of 
try to quiet everything down, but that wasn't going to happen. But this is going to go by fast. 2021, they're going to have faster tests. They're going to have better ways to do this. And Ohio State's going to be preseason number two next year or something. Wow, that that's a lot to digest, man. I, I, I think there's a faint heartbeat still on the Big Ten. And, I, and I'm not saying that they need to reverse course right away. They'd never do that. Like That would be just bowing to all the pressure. I'm just saying no, that. No, but here, I, I will go, I'll give you this one. And okay. uh, because of what's happening and because what Greg Sankey and what the SEC is doing is he, Sankey has not said we are absolutely gung-ho. He is saying everything is changing every day and we will wait and see. So how the Big Ten can save face here is, and where the Big Ten screwed this up, is if you see what the Pac-12 had originally sent out, saying why they're not playing, it was very detailed. There was three things. One, we're in a global pandemic, you knobs. What are you doing? Two, uh, we can't figure out travel. And three, we don't trust the testing that's going to keep everyone safe enough. If you take part three of that, and all of a sudden, you know, look at the NBA, the saliva direct test that they've sponsored. If that starts to become a thing and we really do have fast, reliable, easy tests that we know everyone on the field is safe, if, if the testing becomes stronger, better, and more reliable and conferences can believe in it, let's say the mm-hmm. SEC starts up with it and they say, yeah, this test works, the Big Ten can save face and make that about face that you were just saying and say, look, when we said we're not we're postponed, remember the word is postponed, not cancel. When we're postponing this season, that's because at the time we didn't trust. Our medical advisor said mm-hmm. we do not trust the test. If by October third the medical advisors say, "Hey, we got these tests, they work, you're good," then they might reverse course and go to Thanksgiving. But that's still it's still a hope at this point. Yeah, I, I and I know, and we kind of hit the wall here. And I, I'm with you on where they stood at the time. I, I don't know why they definitively pulled the plug. I just, I keep coming back to that. Like you could have just delayed again and not put anything in stone. And now I, I do think they could have the evidence of the SEC and these other conferences. And now the kids are getting back on campus. Um, see if there are any more opt outs. Like I think they have a little bit of luxury of waiting a few weeks to see if. Things get started positively, and then maybe they could start well before Thanksgiving and and give it a shot. But, you know, in our final 30 seconds, your confidence then, it sounds, is very low in the Big Ten restarting their season to actually make an impact for the college football playoff. I work, My business is college football news. It is my livelihood. It is my life. It is what I do. It is what I love. And so I don't say this lightly. I think there's a better chance of there not being – other Power Five conference football uh, after you know October first, and there would be of the Big Ten actually starting up uh, in Thanksgiving. Okay, well that's what it's about. It's all opinions at this point, and nobody knows what the totally. future will hold. But we appreciate it, Pete. Thanks for jumping we on. We want college football. We're going to oh, have yeah. something this weekend. We're college football yeah, will start up. Uh, we'll, we'll see how this okay. thing goes. That's that. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Have a good one, bud. Thanks, Pete. Anytime, guys. Pete Futek, college football news publisher on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Okay, so he's not in Columbus. There's just not the same emotion attached. And I I like his – listen, we're about opinions. That's what we do. His opinion is noted. But I'm telling you that college football may start, but if it doesn't include Ohio State – you may as well not have a season. I, I'm telling you, it, it, and I'm just speaking for Buckeye fans. I of know course. how they feel. Yeah, like it does. It won't matter. It'll all be a what if. 
Yep. They'll be the biggest asterisk you could ever imagine put on whoever wins if Ohio State's not competing. It's, and that's, yeah. Now, I'm yeah. not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the, the reality of it. So when he kind of moves it and says, eh, don't worry, you'll be good in the future, there's never any guarantee of winning a title. Of a t- Did you think Urban Meyer might have won more than one? <laughs> yeah. Probably. Did you think, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it- yeah, I know. I'm with you. I am absolutely with you. And it's just the point I thought you brought up to Pete is, I think, is the, it's the team. It's the team this right. year. <laughs> you absolutely. can't, you can't ignore. And it just wouldn't feel right if you go out there and play. Is using the word meaningless, is that too heavy? Cause that's the way I view it here in Columbus. Like I think those games would be meaningless if you played a season without having the opportunity to stand up there. And our have, definition, yes. Of in, course. In, in a school's definition, financially speaking, no, they're not meaningless. If they you're make t- money, but, right. that, but it's meaningless to you and me. If you're telling Ryan Day that he doesn't have a chance to feel some confetti touch the top of his head at the end of the season, what are we doing it for? What are we doing it for? Yeah, or at least That's have the at least have the right to go get it. Like, right. there's no guarantees. I, yeah. you know, know, who's going to be injured? Who's going to opt out? Like you said, who's going to get COVID? Like, who knows right. how the season would unfold? But. Um, and, and it's not it's not to attack him. He, he's entitled. Everyone's got their of opinion course, on this, of and um, and maybe sometimes an objective one or a different side is is you know more middle of the road. All right, we'll come back, Maddie, with a few fantasy nuggets to oh. toss out. Drafts are coming fast and furious. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. You'd think that during a three-hour radio show, Man and Bone would say something intelligent. You'd be wrong. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. Let's scratch that fantasy football itch. It's Rothman and Ice's Fool's Paradise. What fantasy is a fool's paradise. We love it. We want to bask in the palm trees and ride the jet skis <laughs> for fantasy. we got a draft coming up on Monday night. Yeah. Uh, let's go through a couple sleepers. And I yeah. don't... Um, since CB put these together, I asked him during the break, did he want to do a little testing, testing, one, two? He said, no, nope, he's going to sit this one out still. He's only he's only for the Twitter, only for the yeah. for the tweets. Yeah. Um, he's got Matthew Stafford listed as a sleeper. You know, is he a top 10 quarterback? I think that's what we have to ask in fantasy football. I think I have him just borderline top 10 as a quarterback. You have him in the top 10 as far as fantasy quarterbacks? I, I don't. I, I don't have him there. I, I just, when you look at that situation, it's very murky to me. Their running back deal, is it going to be on Johnson, DeAndre Swift? He has mm-hmm. been nicked up. It just hasn't uh, taken off the way I thought it would under Patricia. And, he, you know, he's coming from New England. Does he want to, how much does he want to involve the tight ends? They went out and spent in a high pick on TJ Hawkinson, tight end from Iowa. But when it comes to Stafford, before Patricia got there, I thought I viewed him as a guy that could sling it all over the yard with those mm-hmm. weapons. And they have some good weapons. I just don't know, AR, if that's the formula that Patricia wants yeah. to roll with. So I think I would have him slightly outside of that. Another guy that he had in the sleepers that I kind of yeah. like, it's Daniel Jones, man. I think Daniel Jones could be a sneaky fantasy quarterback. I don't know in the real world how good they're going to be. If their defense is bad, that's the formula that you would like to get some of those kind of late fantasy points throughout the day. But I look at the weapons that he has. We know how much of a beast Saquon Barkley is coming out of that backfield. But Darius Slayton was a big-time name in in fantasy football last year. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, we know those names they are. But I'm looking at the formula of Mm -hmm. the New York Giants. And if their defense isn't going to be very good, that means they're going to be playing a lot of catch-up. And I believe that that's a, a nice little 
situation for Daniel Jones. So in the real world, I don't think the Giants are going to be too scary, but I do think in the fantasy world, Daniel Jones could be a name that could give you a spark. I think he's going to be drafted a little too high. I would, if you're giving me the, the choice between Stafford and Daniel Jones, I'm still going to take Stafford just because I like a high floor. I think Jones' ceiling is potentially higher than Stafford's, but I can't. I will not be able to stomach those basement games. I can't. I won't. Won't stand for it. Um, <laughs> when he goes against the Steelers and the Bears and the 49ers out of the gate, and then I'm saying, why in the world did I draft this guy? Like, like he could have some big games, and last year he did. He had two of the top ten single-game performances by quarterbacks last year. You know who the other two? Jackson and Russell Wilson, who can say that. So he had four games where he had 28-plus fantasy points. Three games over 30. Like, it's weird. I think he's a feast or famine guy. I would throw him in at the end of your draft if you have a spot and you feel good about your roster as a backup quarterback or as at least someone you can oscillate to if the matchups look better. That, But I wouldn't roll with him all year. I just would. I just when I look at AR, I do like seeing last year that he gave you 300 yards passing in five yeah. games. I like that. I I just think when you mentioned those teams, those good teams playing there, I think just garbage time is all I was hearing. I was hearing garbage time that he's going to be doing that for you. I did want to hit on another sleeper yeah. here because maybe we could sprinkle some of these in throughout the show. This is a really sure. good list that CB uh, put together. But the tight end position is always very very tough to manage okay. in fantasy world. And I look at Noah Fant out there at Denver. Mm. This was an offseason right where they went out and they put they put a lot on the plate of Drew Locke meaning they brought in a lot of pieces for him to really take off this year and I just look at Noah Fant that's a tight end I wouldn't mind having if you don't get Kittle if you don't get Andrews if you don't get Kelsey it's hard to manage man trying to find points week to week I just think later in the tight end world you can wait just a little bit on Noah Fant and there could be something there that could be some (sighs) fantasy goodies quarterback bothers me there right I mean doesn't it I don't know what we're getting from Drew Locke. That's, That's what thing. I mean. I, mean, I have I, no I idea. Don't, he had a really good rookie year, and I like Fant a lot. And I just don't know if he's going to get enough targets. Like, I worry about that. I mean, you think Noah Fant's going to catch? Like, how many passes do you think he's going to catch this year? How many times is he going to get in the end zone? So they Who got else on that roster that's going to be eating up the targets that you're really Judy and of. Hamler well, and we'll, Gordon. Uh, well, Hamler, uh, he's a rookie. We don't know what that what that's going to look like. I just think in the tight end world, mm-hmm. outside of everyone else, out of the big names that I mentioned, I wouldn't be mad at having Noah Fant as yeah. my guy. And it's just we're just talking okay. sleepers here, so there's plenty of names I would take before him. But sure. I do think later on, if you're trying to okay. wait on a tight end, I'm not mad at Noah Fant. I roll with him. Okay. I, I, I can buy that. If, if you're going to roll late and take him as like the 14th or 15th tight end and you've got the back of your draft and you get 50 catches out of him and five, six touchdowns, okay, then you did your job. I agree. If you're not going to go all in on tight end, which I, I'm, I'm in your camp on that. All right, yeah, let's sprinkle in a few more sleepers as we right, go we throughout the show. We'll come back. We'll do a Sports Center update. Uh, do we have another opt-out on a big team or yet another one? Mm-hmm. And Bill Belichick. Boy, I tell you what, he keeps dropping these little eggs about Cam and makes you feel like he's got his man. We'll talk about it next. Rothman Ice on the fan. If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your heritage sports talker and home of Ohio State Athletics, the fan. Ohio sports destination. Movie references you may not get, even if you saw the movie. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, Rothman and Ice. Presented by your local Pella Window and Door Showroom on Gemini Parkway. Anthony Rothman, 
Matty Hayes. The dynasty, the, the dynasty just off and running out there in Kansas City, huh? Just heard that from old Chopper there in the update. Extensions for GM and head coach, and Mahomes got $800 billion. Kelsey just got a new deal. I mean, my goodness. Eight, I, just 800 bill, that's it? <laughs> no, it's, just, it's unbelievable. But hey, man, I uh, we talked yesterday a lot about windows with Clevenger, and this is it, man. They are absolutely in it, and it seems like it's going to be you know more than – the Andy Reid window whenever he decides to hang it up mm-hmm. because of Mahomes and company. But they found a way, man, to lock it in and lock in their core guys for a nice amount of time. And look, credit to them. That's what it's all about, right? And that's why their GM, I, I thought, definitely was deserving of that extension. And Andy Reid's one of the best head coaches of the game seen. So, yeah, I mean, the AFC is on notice with what they've built out there at Arrowhead Stadium. They are going to be a force for a hot, for a hot minute, they are. Yeah, maybe more than that. And uh, let's take a breath. I mean, that first hour with everything we talked about, and like we said, you know, if you thought this was political before, get ready for you fasten your seatbelt on this because, um, you know, with with Biden going with the empty stadium ads, and then Trump calling the Big Ten today, and you know where these Big Ten schools are located. A lot of swing states, election coming up. Um, certainly, we could see benefit. Um, and indirect credit and all of this going on. But while that's happening, and I, I still, I, as I've said before, I do believe the Big Ten is not going to flip the switch immediately here. I think there's hope. I do. I think there's hope, but I think they need to see evidence of it. And I think they need to see evidence of these other conferences making it successfully, these campuses staying open. Uh, I think they need to see their confidence go up, and the confidence goes up based on the testing the rapid testing and then the availability of it, plus the fact that they don't see any kind of reversal. And then I, as I say that, you know, I know these different parts of the country have different risks. Ten University of Central Florida players, including two projected starters, are opting out. Concerns are about the virus. Their coach Josh Heupel just said. And that's a team I think that was predicted to win their conference just in the last, you know, day or two. Uh, I saw that. And then you were alerting me of another LSU player, correct? Yeah. Well, yesterday we kind of touched on the whole Jamar uh, Jamar Chase situation, yep. and now one of his teammates, AR, and Tyler Shelvin, on the defensive side of the ball, um, he is no longer going to participate in the 2020 season either. And there's some you know, NFL draft guys that do this for a living, obviously, and they think highly of him yeah. as a guy that maybe could get into that in that first round. I read earlier this morning, AR, that Todd McShay had him as the number 23 prospect in the 2021 draft. So, you know, those fans down there, they're really excited about the potential of them getting a season going uh, very shortly, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be getting their kind of the best product. And I know Nick Saban made the whole JV comment but this is what he's alluding to. So now LSU coming off the heels of an amazing season and winning national championship and Joe Burrow putting together arguably the best mm-hmm. season we've ever seen at that position are now coming into a season where, where they thought, okay, well, at least we've got one guy on offense in Jamar Chase who's an absolute monster. And then on defense, Tyler Shelvin, who people think highly love as well. Those, lo- those cats aren't playing, and I don't blame them. I, I just don't blame them for doing that. 
So if you're an LSU fan, this is a bittersweet situation for you because, yeah, your guys are going to go out there probably and get a couple games or who knows how many games they get in. But in the back of their mind, they're sitting here thinking, well, what are we really doing this for if we don't have some of our best players? Is that really going to give us a shot? So it's a, it's a mess, AR, all across the college football board because of the story you just rolled out there. And the SEC's looking like they're going to go, but LSU isn't going to have their studs out there. And then we've just got all these mixed, mixed messages for every mm-hmm. conference, and it just makes it tough for everyone involved. But on the football front, yeah, it's tough, and I can't, and I won't be surprised at all if more of these guys within the conference that are supposed to play decide to say, "I'm good." Is it really worth it? Well, I'm a little surprised from their standpoint. It's not like they were in a total rebuild. Like I, I thought they were a little preseason too high. I didn't expect the snapback from LSU coming off the championship. Mm-hmm. I'm with um, you. I do, th- and I also thought if they could start on time, which it looks like they're going to, I am a little surprised. That Chase and Sheldon. Now, I'm not surprised. They're both first-round projected guys. You get your, potentially the top receiver in the draft and the best interior defensive lineman in the country. Right. Like I, you have that, they have that going for them. Um, and so you're right. I don't think their teammates are going to crush them. Uh, the fan base really shouldn't. Although you'll always have those outliers that only care about winning yep. and not about the kid. So. This was always going to be a weird year individually. You didn't know who was going to opt in or opt out based on family or their own personal history. Or like you said, based on their own livelihood and their future, not risking injury in a year that looked very disjointed anyway. Like we don't know what kind of championship, the integrity of a championship year this year. What will it really look like? We don't know how many teams are going to be able to get how many games in. But I do think if you had a playoff, you're still going to get four behemoths in there, like at least on paper. Like you'll have no big, huge non conference games to have those data points. And this one may be one of the more wild card years we have with players from week to week, as you say, being available even. Remember, we're talking about college kids. The pros were having a tough time bubbling themselves. You think college kids are going to be any easier? And, and I know that. The bigger schools like Ohio State, I would really like to believe that those kids will treat it so seriously because they have so much to lose. They don't want to miss games. But they may test positive accidentally. They're college kids. like They're on a big campus. And so I sit here today when I see these, you know, now that LSU might have four guys opting out and these two big ones, it, it doesn't mean that you can't play. It just means that you better be ready for the unpredictable. And so that's why I think that Ohio State, you know, Ohio State felt like they had things locked down as much as they could. And then the important thing was you weren't going to be able to test positive and play. This, this, isn't, this isn't jamming a kid in who failed a class and somehow you went and, and, and strong-armed the teacher into giving him a passing grade so he could stay eligible. Right. Like, that's not what this is. This is as serious as anything. So Ohio State wasn't going to slide a kid in. It would take down the whole program. It's a house of cards. So I think getting into that facility was going to be like Fort Knox, as I keep saying. Like I think they were going to be as great as they could be based on the testing that was available, how often they were going to do it, how much they were going to sanitize the place. Once you start knocking heads and swapping spit, I don't know. 
I, who knows? It's all unpredictable. But it is. It is. But and, and I just think it when you look at these other conferences like the Pac-12 and Conference USA, and they threw out the new information mm-hmm. that they're going to go to three tests per week, which is good. And I think when you have the new information out there with the rapid testing and being able to get those results back quicker based on some of the stuff that came out over the weekend, that is encouraging as well. But I, you mentioned the part about you know kind of the responsibility that the players have to take, and I remember. I think a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I saw a quote from Josh Myers, big time, you know, O State lineman, and he threw out the quote that it was known, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, that he it was known throughout their locker room that you don't want to be the guy that goofs this up. You don't want to be the guy. And he said that they had a good feeling that everyone was on the same page, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that that's going to be the same thing for every other school involved. That also doesn't mean that even if you're on a national championship contending team, that the guy that doesn't get a lot of playing time, that maybe a true freshman or sophomore doesn't feel like he needs to be as responsible because he ain't playing mm-hmm. on Saturday. So he may he may go to the little house party and run people off the beer pong table. I don't know. Everybody's mm. mentality is completely run them different. Off the beer pong. Hey, table. you know, you know, you might be able to go in there and clear Matt, off the you were table. The reigning champ. <laughs> Say, look, man, I don't got to be at the Woody for warm-ups that early tomorrow. I can hang out a little bit. Is the champ the guy that has to drink or the guy that doesn't? I, I'm oh, confused. Well, the, the champ is the one that takes just a sip after the victory. The okay. When you're handing out victory the L's at beer Yeah, when you're handing out the L's at beer pong and you're bouncing yeah. them in and throwing them off the ceiling, whatever your tricks of the trade may be, your opponent is suffering through that for every cup. So when you're making it rain Steph Curry style and you just th- you know, flick of the wrist like yeah. that, they're the ones that have to drink AR after every cup. So yeah, some of those guys, bottom of the roster, they may be doing that or other things, you know, that could be perceived as fun. Yeah. Am I too old to say quarters? Were you more beer pong or were you quarters? Uh, there like, wasn't I a lot of a quarters. Qu- I come from a quarters era. Not a lot of the quarters going on. There was a lot of flip okay. cup and beer pong oh, yeah, at right. the parties that I went to with my friends. Those were the games mm-hmm. um, that decided to pop off and some other games that I probably can't talk about on the air. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flip cup is a uh, that, that's that's kind of an interesting one. That that's it I mean all of, all of this was created by very creative yet bored college students, right? You, you, you're you're really the idea is to make cheap beer somehow worthy, correct? Yeah. It wasn't that it wasn't to take cheap beer oh and try to make it feel like it was like you were a rich dude. I can't tell you how many of my friends that have played football uh, in college, how many just the the wallpaper of Keystone Lights they are around <laughs> their apartment complex, just 30 packs like that. That's all they would buy. And I'm glad that eventually we did get away from the beer in the cups and that went mm. to water. Because if you think about a you know a Saturday banger on campus somewhere and you're playing beer pong all day with beer and the hands that are going in and out yeah. of the cups and all mm. that stuff. Fun times, but just not clean. Not clean at all, but very fun times. I'll never yeah. forget those. Never. The, yeah. the game was spread mostly by word of mouth. Other things were certainly spread as well across the beer pong table. And really, it's created because guys that play, that play ping pong that want to drink, they were resting their cup on the, on the table. It sure. became a target. And yeah. so once it became a target, once we had the first ping pong ball land in a cup of beer, the game was born. And I'm glad that you have kept it going, apparently. You're, oh, you're big. In fact, your, your final four is probably beer pong, 
quarters, flip cup, and whatever else you got going. <laughs> there's uh, a game a called fourth? baseball. That is a game oh, called sure. baseball that you could play. Uh-huh. Uh, I learned a game up at Bowling Green one night at a party oh. with my friends called Directions, which was very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, no, there's been plenty of games that I've been taught throughout the years that can get the party going. So whenever you know you know, you know a banger, you need to get the folks going, just you know, holler at your boy. I can DJ and set up beer pong for everybody. I can do it all. All right, Maddie. Well done. All right, let's take a breath from whatever we think college football can be this year. We'll come back, and <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you a little bit what Belichick said. I, I, I know that people are going to – when Belichick says anything, you read into it because he doesn't say much. So when he says something, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you can sink your teeth into that a little bit. We'll do it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Keeping you entertained with our vast selection of hot takes and play-by-play for over 25 years. Proud to be your home of the Buckeyes, the fan, Ohio sports destiny. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice, CB. Getting paid by the tweet over the last couple days and keeping his uh, his his vow of silence. I, I think he should just keep it going as long as he can. You know, just internalize everything. Don't let any air out of the balloon. But you asked me to. Oh no, texting. <laughs> uh, well, hey, don't. Hey, we cannot ruin the procedure. You shouldn't have done that. Just kind of ease into it. You just jumped right into the deep end with some sort of, like, yelling. That's not going to do well. He's feeling good, Coach. Let him go out there, man. He told you that I he know. was a game-time decision. Was, now he's feeling better. Apparently he was tweeting yesterday that he, that he absolutely adored the Clevenger trade and wished they would have unloaded more. <laughs> he's all for a, for a rebuild. Um, uh, by the way, real quickly, watching last night, uh, I don't know how much uh, baseball you watched last night, um, but we're kind of in a situation where we're really watching whether your Reds can catch fire on whether the Indians now can kind of stay where they are. And now the White Sox, you know, are, are pushing at them. The Twins are pushing. It's going to be a great race. When you waste an outing by Bieber, that really sucks, right? I mean, that guy, he, he's in the mid-90s wherever he wants it. Wherever he wants it, he puts it. You know he's leading Maddie in every single category. Yeah. Hello. No, okay. I'm with you. I'm All listening. Right. I was waiting for the no. info, man. I was no, bubbling no. up. Oh no. Um wins, ERA, innings pitched, K's, OPS. He's first in every category. His ERA is one point two zero, eighty four punch outs and fifty two and two thirds. Yep. Now, Brad Keller did the same to the Indians. Uh, early on, and they got to him in the seventh with Santana and Reyes, and you're up one nothing in the bottom of the eighth, and Karen Check comes in, got you know he's walked a couple I think runners at first and second, he gets O'Hearn with with a 95 mile an hour fastball, you think he might get out of it, and I really like him, he, he hides the ball pretty well, he comes over the top, it's tough to pick up if you're a hitter, Franco gets ahead of him, so he's three one. And a breaking ball that didn't fall out of the zone. He just rips it for the tie game. And Simber tries to come in. He serves up a one-two pitch to Starling. There's your RBI. But I say that to get to this. Here comes the fresh new Indian in Naylor with a tying run at second. Like, here we go. Like, the table is set for this kid in the debut to play hero. 
and it's like a tailing ball, a little bit out of the zone, swings at it and grounds out nicely. Pretty good pitch by Holland. But it was like one of those things where I thought, my goodness, this couldn't set up any better for this trade to be yeah, you know, sure. stamped mm-hmm. right here on, open, on, on the first night they get him. Uh, so it was sucked to waste a, an effort by Bieber. But Karinchek's been good, so you know it's he had a bad bad outing. And then your guys, um, you made it interesting when Suarez hit you know hit that three runner to make it seven five. Not he was in the ninth. So um, Dakota well, Hudson's good. He's impressive. Yeah. Well, Disclafani just it was a bad start. It was a bad start. We buried ourselves early in the game, but um, no, Pace, that that the granny the, the granny to to De Young was a killer. Th- was a three killer. two, and that is. That's 94 down Broadway, hoping that you can just throw it past him. Absolute heartbreaker. But, you know, the bigger picture here is that comes off, you know, the exciting news that we got when we left the air that, oh, Mm -hmm. well, you know, they aren't the only Ohio team that's going to make a move because, you know, my beloved Red Legs went out there and got Brian Goodwin from the Los Angeles Angels. But probably more importantly, the headliner was Archie Bradley, the closer from Arizona. And we talked about yesterday Mm -hmm. whether or not, you know, maybe Cleveland was going to keep ringing the phone of Arizona to um, to see if they could get Starling Marte. He goes to Miami, which was surprising, but they're having a good squad, a good year as a young squad. But this could be potentially a big move, and it's good. Yep. They've got him under team control. This isn't just a rental. He'll be around for a little bit. Both guys will. But he is a pretty good closer, AR. I know the ERA is right around four this year. You don't love that. But you look at what this guy had done in the previous couple of years. He's shown the ability to be a, a doggone good closer. And for a squad that's really struggled on the back end, for the most part this season, Iglesias just hasn't been that guy. So now you put him into a different role, whether that's, you know, maybe some extended innings, whatever the case is. You know what you're getting from Amir Garrett. I like what I've seen from Lucas Sims. I know Lorenzen's been up and down. He put together a pretty good outing yesterday. But this could potentially be a big move, AR. It's just, do they have enough time to turn it around? And dropping that game that we were mm-hmm. just talking about yesterday to the Cardinals in that fashion just made it a bittersweet day. But there's no question that you get a guy like Archie Bradley, maybe that yeah. puts other guys in the bullpen in better spots. I just can't wait to see what David Bell does with Iglesias because now maybe that gives your bullpen some flexibility to build around guys that have been pretty good for you this year. So I did like that pickup yesterday. You guys have had a rough season in that pen, and this is going to be a big deal. Bradley is is a young guy. He's only 28, yep. and he came. he's averages like 10 strikeouts per nine innings. You get a massive upgrade there. In fact, most people believe your red legs probably – we're top two, top three on trade day. Like that, that that's how big as far as winners and losers that they look at uh, at the Reds as being a fairly big winner with Bradley. So I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, wanted to bring up Belichick, and the way this is being packaged up real quickly is that he wants t- people to know that he is ultra confident in Cam Newton. And he dropped this, nobody works harder than Cam does. And so he is taking this just praise and just just throwing it on Newton for work ethic, competitiveness, and just absolutely raved on him. And it didn't hit me until I heard someone else say, wow, Brady's probably not happy with that. What do you mean nobody works harder? Isn't that just kind of a cliche in sports when you like a guy and you think he's competitive and he's good? Like, you could throw that on a lot of guys. Like, for him to say nobody works harder, I don't know if he meant it literally. 
He didn't sit down and say, I've coached a lot of players in my lifetime, and now that I think about it, he's probably the hardest worker I've ever had in my life. He didn't say that. I think when he says nobody works harder than Cam, it was more of a tribute to Cam being a hard worker. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. We try to put this stuff and, and really break it down word for word. He's impressed him with what's happened in training camp. Nobody works harder than Cam Newton. Okay? I've heard that said about a million players. Are yeah, you with me look, on that? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I don't think this is any type of shot at Tom Brady. I can't imagine that Bill Belichick, a guy that doesn't like to speak much, is going to get into a petty war of words you know, with Tom Brady through the media. I don't see him taking slight jabs at this. I think it's just it is what it is. He's looking at Cam as his guy. He's liking what he's seeing from him, and he's impressed. Bill Belichick is not going to pat mm-hmm. guys on the back without actually feeling that way about them. That's just what I've seen from Bill, and he credits uh, Cam Newton AR for, you know, his hard-working track record that goes back to Auburn and also his time in Carolina. So the stuff that he had heard before about Cam Cam Newton, he is seeing play out right in front of his eyes. And I think it's great that you're hearing that because, you know, Bill, if it wasn't the way he's feeling, I don't think he's going to throw this quote out there. He does not do that. And I just like what I've seen so far from some of the videos coming out of Mm -hmm. practice and Cam is being Cam because I know that was a, a big deal when it came to this relationship and you can't ignore nor that with the way that New England has run their shop over the years and how airtight we can hear it can be from some of the players that have left the building. And Cam Newton was the opposite of that. But at the end of the day, this is what Bill Belichick cares about. So he, Cam Newton going out and doing his dancing and all that stuff that I absolutely love. He doesn't, he's fine with that if he is getting what he's seeing from Cam. And that's kind of the first guy in, last guy to, to leave type of vibe that we got from that quote. So mm-hmm. no, it, it, it's, it's interesting to see what we're going to get from them because they've had a lot of, you know, turnover this offseason. But the fact that the relationship between the quarterback and the head coach are off to a good start and the head coach yeah. is impressed by his hard work is what it's all about. I think you can read into the fact that he doesn't do it that often, like you said. And when he does it, he means it. And so if Cam's coming in early and staying late, then that doesn't surprise me. Cam is highly motivated, highly. And he's on a, on a, uh, in a great culture now with a legendary head coach. And a good and OC. He, and Josh yeah, McDaniels. Yeah, and he's got a chance to continue. And it's a guy like Cam Newton, you know, following Tom Brady, who would choose that? Cam's the kind of guy that would take that on. And so I, I just feel like this is kind of, for people that are going the other side, which is, well, this is a shot at Brady. I, I don't, what, Brady didn't do enough for him? Like, what do you, like, come on. Like, that's, that's When ridiculous. he drops the line, nobody works harder than Cam does. My mind goes to AR, the guys that he's working with right now. Not in the history of the Patriots. Right. It's the guy that he has on his active roster. Bill ain't thinking about anybody else in that fashion. The only time he's thinking about another yeah. opponent is when he's trying to kick your butt. That's yeah. it. I agree. All right, we'll come back. Sleepers to win your fantasy league. We'll talk to Derek Brown, senior fantasy analyst at FTN Network. Next, Rothman and Ice on the fan. This is Ohio State football coach Ryan Day on your home for Buckeye football, the fan. Ohio sports destination. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, back at it. Fantasy drafts coming fast and furious. 
Derek Rout, Senior Fantasy Analyst, FTN Network on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Debro in the house. Good to have you. Hey, guys. Thanks for y'all having me. This is going to be a blast. Yeah, I mean, the football season, it's coming up, man. I mean, it's, it's kickoff time right now. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we're in a 14-teamer here at the station, and I, it's rough because uh, I think Ice got, what would you get, Matty, 10? Yeah, Is I'm in the 10 slot. He's in 10, and I'm in 14. I mean, it's almost like, you know, they're going to hamstring us here, you know, no stud running back. So I'll ask you this. Um, of these tier, let's say, tier two guys, tier three guys, like – because uh, I think people are going to reach for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I don't even know if it's going to be a reach, but I've asked this question to every guest we've had. How soon is too soon for CEH? I'm willing to take him inside the top five without Ooh. question to ask, and I won't fault anybody considering some of the questions with Alvin Kamara. Like, if somebody wants to paint me a case to take him as, as, as soon as top three, I won't fault him at all. Derek, I want to. We were talking tight ends earlier. We were talking a little bit of some sleepers, and you know, I brought up the name Noah Fant. We talked about a couple other guys, but it's fair that there's some question marks around. Like, what are we going to get from Drew Locke? He's still a young guy, but how comfortable would you be uh, with having Noah Fant as your tight end this season? I'm like Fant. I think the question that it really boils down to, like you're talking about with Drew Locke, is how many of these guys can he really accentuate their skill sets and. And how many guys can he support? I'm kind of in the camp that I really think it's going to be Cortland Sutton or bust this year. I don't think that he's going to support week in and week out value for a lot of other pass catchers, especially with Jerry Judy now in town. I like Fant, but I do find myself gravitating into that later round tight end tier with other guys. Like I'm very, very high on Mike Gusecki this year. I have TJ Hawkinson over him. So it's not that I, I, dislike Fant. It's just I have more questions on Drew Locke than I have questions for those other teams' quarterbacks or those other tight end target shares this year. Derek, which one of these running backs that are going to go, because running back depth from a stud standpoint isn't there. I think most drafts know this. They wait on wide receiver if they can outside of maybe Michael Thomas, maybe Devontae Adams. Um, Of the running backs that are listed between maybe 1 and 14, are you staying away from some of these guys like Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, um, or are you kind of intrigued by these guys even over some of the usual suspects? I like Miles Sanders. I'm still willing, and we haven't seen his ADP push down at all with any of the the hamstring news, the injury news. I'm still willing to take him at the end of the first round. I think his upside is immense, and for everybody that's talked about what can the Eagles do and all the injuries of last year and those not aligning with his usage this year. I mean, we're seeing that. I mean, they're banged up already walking into week one. His his ability both on early downs and in the passing game is unquestioned. So I love Miles Sanders. Uh, I was, will still draft Kenyon Drake within that top 14 as well as Nick Chubb. Their roles in their offenses, as long as Drake can stay healthy, and I know he's in the walking boot, but as long as he can stay healthy – he legit has top five upside this year. Just, I don't think that it's going to be a major split in that backfield. The offense is going to run faster. They're going to run more plays. And as far as Nick Chubb, I'll take him. I do find a lot of times at the top of the second round, it's the Nick Chubb versus Josh Jacobs story. And 
people are, are on one side of the fence or the other, and I side with Nick Chubb because I feel like we are pressing too many narratives based off of the coaching staff that is not there now and Kareem Hunt's usage and what that looks like. Nick, Nick Chubb is still going to get 15 touches a week, and he, up until the very last part of the season, was still leading the NFL in rushing yards. I think that he could definitively lead the NFL in rushing yards this year, and if he gets more of the Dalvin Cook-esque workload, like if this backfield shades more towards Chubb, then I think he could be an absolute smash going in the second round this year. Heading out to L.A., man, looking at this Rams offense just a couple seasons ago, this team was absolutely rolling, made a trip to the Super Bowl, but now it's just a, it, it feels different around them, but some of the names are very similar. Looking at the wide receivers, man, between Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, is there a guy that you like more this season? So uh, I actually wrote them up for, for FTN last week as far as the Rams team and diving into what actually happened last year. I really think that they go back to a, a heavy wide receiver or three wide receiver set usage. We saw that really go away, and everybody talks about, well, the, the offensive line was banged up and what happened with this team. And if you look at it, by week 10, they were losing. They had lost three starters on their offensive line. They were asking a guy that they traded for in the middle of the season to play center, a position he had never played in the NFL, and they were starting two rookies on their offensive line. So I think that if you dive into it deeper, as far as your answer, like I'm leaning towards Cooper Cup because, like I said, I think that they go back to three wide receiver sets. We've seen Cooper Cup's ceiling, and it is immense. I mean, the first nine weeks, eight, nine weeks of the season, he had five 100-yard games, and he was the wide receiver two behind only Michael Thomas. So for as much as I like Robert Woods, and I really, really do, Cooper Cup has the red zone role for that team, he, we've seen his ceiling already over a half a season, and that ceiling is something that Robert Woods does not possess. Like, Cooper Cup's ceiling is immense. And I still, like I said, I like Woods, but if I'm going with one guy and I'm planting my flag this year, it's Cooper Cup. Derek Brown with us, senior fantasy analyst, FTN Network. Give me a few maybe late-round sleepers, um, guys that you like to kind of fill out your roster if you feel like people are overlooking at this point. So a couple of guys, uh, we actually talked about this the other day on, uh, on the site. A couple of guys going outside the top 100 that I really find myself gravitating to this year. I love Joshua Kelly running back for the Chargers. I think that he is going to garner. He's had a lot of training camp buzz. I was big into him as a prospect coming out uh, of UCLA. I think that he is going to take over the number two running back position for the Chargers, and they want to run the ball and we saw last year after Melvin Gordon came back, he was a top-20 running back. Now, whether or not you have questions about Tyrod, that's fine. But I think Kelly's going to own a decent chunk of this backfield and touchdown equity. Um, other guys that are going in the later rounds, depending if – and some of this depends on whether it's your home leagues or, or how sharp guys or, or, or girls are that you're drafting around – it really just kind of depends, but I think all of the, the training camp hype around Antonio Gibson is real. I like him in the eighth. If you can get him in the eighth and ninth round, love that pick. I think that he is going to have a passing game role from week one, and if he takes over any of the early down role, I mean, he could be the more explosive James White in this offense. Um, so he's another guy. I like Darius Slayton uh, for the Giants. We saw last year what he was able to do 
over 700 yards, eight touchdowns, and I know, understand everything that, that none of these guys were healthy last year. But Golden Tate's already banged up at camp. And if this team, we know the defense is not going to be great. If Slayton, and this is what I keep going back to, if it was any other team with a rookie that ended the year with over 700 yards and eight touchdowns, if this was on the Chiefs or somebody else, we would be just salivating to try to draft him in fantasy, but everybody else wants to fade him. And I'm like, what do you want to see out of this guy? He played well when he was given snaps and targets. He has touchdown equity, and he has 4-3 speed. I love him late. Derek, last one for me, man. I'm, I'm looking at Houston, and we know how incredible their quarterback is and Deshaun Watson, but, you know, that, that's been a, a team this offseason that hasn't getting a lot of love, you know, coming off that DeAndre Hopkins trade. But you look at some of the names, and I think they're intriguing. What do you think of just all the weapons down there in Houston and how, you know, what guys bring value to the fantasy world this season, in your opinion? I love the Texans. I'm buying into their offense immensely this year. Watson is still a stud. He is actually my QB4 behind only Lamar, Mahomes, and Dak this year. And I know a lot of people would put Kyler Murray above him. I think it's a big mistake. I love Watson. They're going to chuck the ball deep a ton this year. They did it last year with their first-year OC, Tim Kelly, under uh, Colin Plays. I love David Johnson. I think if you're looking for that RB2 that is going to garner volume, if you're staring at Le'Veon Bell, if you're staring at all these other backs, you're looking in the wrong direction. The Texans' offensive line is way underrated. I think Johnson, and I get the injury concerns. Outside of health, that is the only reason to fade him this year. Uh, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, both guys that I love going as wide receiver threes right now. If I have to pick one, it's going to be Will Fuller. Over his last 23 games with Deshaun Watson, he's on a 16-game pace for almost 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. If he plays, heck, where you draft him this year, even if he plays 12 games, he could be one of the biggest values in fantasy football all year. So I like the wide receivers. Even if you wanted to take an end-of-the-bench stash on Randall Cobb, I won't fault you on it because <laughs> – I think they're going to go with three wide receiver sets more. I think Cobb is going to have a definitive role in this passing game. And he's a guy that you could plug in a flex play, and if he gets a touchdown for you, fine. He's going to walk out of the week with 12 to 15 points. Great stuff. Derek Brown, Senior Fantasy Analyst at FTN Network. Great, man. We appreciate the insight. Uh, I wrote down a lot of names you mentioned, and hopefully they'll pan out. Thanks for the advice. No, absolutely. Good luck in your 14-teamer. Get your running backs early because they're going to be gone fast. Exactly. We're going to be doubling up. Thanks, Derek. He was on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. The only only other question I wanted to ask him was about, you know, most people wait on quarterback. You just do. Like, yeah, I I do think that there is a sense of with the weapons that Dak has that maybe you could reach a little bit. We know where Lamar and and Mahomes are going to go. They're probably going to go in the first – my guess, first 18 picks, first 20 picks for sure of your mm-hmm. draft, maybe sooner. Um, those two might – they could be even first-round picks, depending on well, what yeah, your point, point structure is. But if you wait on a quarterback, which is what most people do, you know, who do you want? Like, is like Rodgers doesn't have the weapons. Like, where is he going to go? Brady has the weapons. Um, Breeze is certainly going to be there. But those guys are all below – Guys like Allen and Ryan and Wentz, like 
it's weird to me. Like those, well, I, I think you know some of those guys. They don't offer you know the older guys. They don't offer yeah. the rushing balance. I think that's where yeah. a lot of people are trying to find, especially coming off the year Lamar had. They're trying to find that player and a half. That's kind of what Lamar is, a quarterback, right. and you kind of get half a running back with well, maybe even more than that on certain weeks. So yeah, it's tricky. But all the guys that he mentioned at the top bring you some type of value where you could look at them and say, yeah, they, I could see them get about thirty-five rushing yards a game as a safe floor, you know. And though mm-hmm. I think all those guys have the potential to do that, uh, other than the OGs in the league. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with the Buckeye Bulletin. Rothman and Ice on the fan. You're home for the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, and crew. And our sincere apologies for common man singing Creed songs. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the heat? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train systems, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, Maddie. Buckeye bulletin time, and it looks like we are awaiting another recruit, are we not? Yeah, we absolutely are. You know Ohio State is always in the business of, you know, getting those recruits coming in, and it, and it looks like we could have some tight end action happening. The name that you want to know here is Bennett Christian, and he's coming out of Georgia, 6'6", 235 in the class of 2022. So he did set a commit time, and it looks like that is going to happen on Tuesday night. So that could be coming up uh, next week, AR. But he's in that class, and you look at the way Ryan Day has implemented the tight end, and I think it matters, right? Because we saw Urban was running a completely different offense. We were always asking, what's going on with the tight ends? Can we get some tight end love? And Ryan Day last year implemented them both in the running and the passing game. So I'm sure some tight ends around the country are absolutely perked up from what they saw. But the three-star guy, AR, like I said, six. 6235 from Georgia. He's got Ohio State and Tennessee uh, in the mix there for the schools that he's going to pick from. So we'll have to keep our eye out on that. Looks like tonight, maybe right? early. Is it tonight or next my, week? Yeah, my weeks are all messed up. It's Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. So yeah. tonight is where is where, how I'm taking this. But yeah, yeah, we could have some positive news coming back in uh, tomorrow morning. Yeah, he's the son of Bill Christian who played defensive tackle for Johnny Majors back in the late 70s when Tennessee... Uh, was in the mix here on him. And, and so with Ohio State in the mix, so are you reading that Penn State is in the mix or no, not anymore, just Tennessee and Ohio I've, State? Well, I've seen that he, he you know cut his list down to Ohio State and Tennessee okay. is what yeah. I was reading um, today. So he visited both schools. Mm-hmm. In August, um, on his own money, it looks like. Yeah. So it looks like he's bet- picking between the Vols and the Buckeyes. You know, Tennessee's obviously a little closer to Georgia than Ohio. Maybe that's, you know, weighing what he's doing there because from well, the football the, side and, and of the things. And the family tie, too. Yeah, Sounds well, like. you know, I'm just saying from the football side of things, I ain't going to Tennessee <laughs> over Ohio State right no. now. But look, everybody has different reasons. So, yeah, we could have another tight end in the mix coming down the pipeline for 2022. That would be quality. Um, From the category of will the Big Ten play, will Ohio State play, uh, this is from Jeff Snook, the reporter who texted with Gene Smith and tweets that he got a response back. He asked him about the various reports of an earlier start, even earlier than Thanksgiving, like an October start. And... He tweets that Gene said to him, do not get trapped in all the rumors. We are working on multiple options. When we have what we are going to do, we will announce it. Do not get caught up in the rumor world. 
majority of our players have been working out at the Woody all along. So I guess there you have it. Everything's on the table, which, by the way, is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that, well, that they're discussing other options outside of starting what I believe is a no-man's land Thanksgiving weekend. Well, and I'm with you on that. Uh, I think you know all the options I don't love. I don't love a you know January, February season. I don't love a spring season because I think that puts us in the same, same type of category as it does you know with them uh, starting around that Thanksgiving date too. So, yeah, I am fully with you, AR. I know we'll kind of refresh this at the top of the hour, but it is good to see that you know Gene's throwing out some information and they're, they're grinding behind closed doors to figure something out that is today's buckeye bulletin all right when we come back sports center update top of the hour we'll dive into the third hour we'll go a little deeper dive into the big 10 disclosing the vote by the presidents is it real do we believe it and speaking of the presidents they're not speaking but the president apparently is speaking to the commissioner we'll tell you all about that third hour on the way rothman and ice on the fan most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. All right, back at it. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Fan studio is sponsored by Lindsay Honda. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes, CB at the switches. Okay, so a lot has happened over the last 12 hours. A lot, and what I mean by that is, I don't know if it will have an impact, but there's a lot as far as swinging maybe some confidence here one way or the other. The Big Ten uh, reportedly disclosed the vote by presidents was 11-3 in favor of canceling the 2020 fall football season. So basically tabling football this season, trying to maybe jam it in in January and do a twofer. We all know how that would impact Ohio State. The big-name guys would not want to risk it. You wouldn't be involved with a championship. It wouldn't matter to them. That's what you play for, to win championships. And Ohio State's a national title contender. There'd be no way those guys would risk it. Not that close to their NFL career. So we all knew that. The importance of this was to get it this season. We've already seen teams have opt-out guys that are NFL-bound. And they're playing this year. Imagine if you started this thing in Thanksgiving. Like... You want to find out if, how, how much Justin Fields really wants to play football? Hold this thing in Thanksgiving. Then you'll find out because I don't think he'd be playing. I think it's, um, I think, I don't think, I don't know if I would really want to put that to bed yet on his front. I do think for the other guys though that aren't slam dunks. I do think that they have a decision to make. I think it makes it a little bit more complicated now. If you aren't a Justin Fields or a Sean Wade, outside of those couple guys, they are maybe, you know, Wyatt Davis, he's probably a lock to be a first-round pick. But some of these other guys, they're probably going to want to boost their football resume. So if we swing this thing around and we do get a you know Thanksgiving window for the season to mm-hmm. kick off, I just think they think about it. I would still probably in my gut feel like those guys wouldn't play because it's not that much of a difference. It's just a few months in between, but that few months may be a difference for some guys. I don't know. I'm not saying there wouldn't be guys that wouldn't want to play. I'm just saying if you knew that you weren't going to be involved in whatever the championship would be this year, I think it would take oh, of all the motivation that, away from the guys who know they're going to the NFL. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, all of them wouldn't play. I'm just saying the guys that know they have an NFL career ahead of them, like that's 
I agree. They know with they're going to be that, drafted. That's the one part that you got to bring in. That's where my mind was. That everything is on the table. We got a season. They know that they could compete for a national title and still give themselves enough time to train and get ready and all that stuff. Because that also is something that I don't know has been talked about a ton. A ton is even when you have a regular season, these guys still need time for their bodies to heal up and all that stuff. Because the combine and the Senior Bowl is huge for a lot of these prospects to go out there. And obviously, we just base a ton of it off of the numbers that we see from them. So it's just a question, man. And I was just thinking, we, the more we move the, the date up or the potential date up uh, closer to you know uh, where we are right now as opposed to you know the next calendar year, early 2021 in the spring, I just my mind goes down the road of these guys. Some of these guys may put it back on the table of I'll come back as you know. In some of in some of their cases, the door is probably already shut. Yeah, I just think a lot of it is based on what's at stake. Like I, I think most of these guys already already have voted in their minds that they were willing to take the risk to play right now. Whatever the risk was in their mind, yeah, they were going to play. We hadn't heard of anybody opting out before the Big Ten pulled the plug on the season. So you know. And part of that is that it's Ohio State. There's a ton to play for. You want to be a part of a championship team or a championship contender. Like, so that didn't surprise me that, that nobody had opted out. I'm, we're at the point now where we're trying to read between the lines on whether, whether they could come back and give this a shot. I'm still in the camp of that it, nothing has changed for me as far as the Big Ten still wanting to see evidence that they believe will give them the confidence to go forward with a season and to protect these athletes as much as they possibly can. Uh, I was very surprised that they pulled the plug on the season definitively. I thought that they could delay it a little bit more. It was right before training camp was going to start, so I realized the pressure was on them, the presidents, the commissioner. Here we go. We're going to knock heads. You guys want to go or do you want to delay? This is what we're hearing from our medical advisors. Whether you want to believe it or not, this is what we're hearing. And whether Kevin Warren... Where he stood on all of this, I don't know. Did he sway some of the presidents? Did his information sway some of them? It's possible. But, and, and as far as this, quote, vote, 11 of the 14 in favor of the move, the three that weren't were Ohio State, Nebraska, and Iowa. That's believable to me. It's believable that there was, I don't know whether there was a firm yay or nay. Like, Penn State, you're on the clock. You want to delay? Or do you want to play? I don't know if it was exactly that, but or whether they had to punch in their vote and get on the record, or if it was just more of a, yep, I'm going to lean to delay. Let's let's postpone. Like maybe I I guarantee there was talk. I, I can't imagine this is a, a lie. Why? First of all, why would one of these presidents, if they didn't vote to delay, why would they want a no attached to them? They wouldn't, right? Like like if you or I were one of those no votes. Like, you, you were headed up in university, and so did I. Mm-hmm. And we heard this thing about 11 of the 14, and we were one of the 11. And, but you and I both know we didn't do that. Wouldn't I say something? I would think like, so, why yeah. would I want? Wait, why would I want my name to be attached to something that, that I didn't vote in? Now, we've had people do that a little bit. Minnesota, it's like, yeah, I don't know if there's a vote, but there was a, there was a deliberation kind of deal. So I can't tell you whether someone actually See, but, had to pull a lever on a vote here, but... I'm going to believe the fact that he didn't brainwash 
11 presidents. That's fine, because I'm with you on that, AR. But the fact that you and I still have to ask these type of questions, to me, is crazy town, man. It's still crazy town that even still, as we sit here right now, after the information that we got last night, we still have questions about what actually took place. And there's also, it's just, and that's why this has been so frustrating for Blame me. Blame the presidents. Well, those are the people that, and I know you've been adamant about that, and I think it's a good point. Those are the people that need to come out and put their names on it. Because we can't keep going down this road of, well, we think this happened, we think that didn't happen. And the fact that you had presidents and ADs being quoted saying that they don't really know how the whole process was going down, mm-hmm. that's not a good look on the conference. And that's no. been the problem the whole time is that this has been a PR just mess for the whole league and everyone involved because we've just been going back and forth week to week, day by day of what the heck is actually happening but i do think when you get the news that we got today that kevin warren and president trump they had a conversation now what was the extent of that conversation we don't know we can assume some of the stuff based off some of the reasons going on in the world as to you know why the motivating factors as to why this stuff is happening but i do think it matters because we talked we touched on it a little bit yesterday with the new testing that's out there I'm, I'm sure in some people's minds that were on the fence, maybe that provides a little bit more confidence that you can pull off something like this. The Pac-12 Conference USA, those, I'm sorry, Big 12 Conference USA, they're going to three tests a week. So when you can have that available and you can present that new information to the medical experts, to the presidents, to Commissioner Warren, to those mm-hmm. type of people, I don't know if it's going to change their mind, but I do know that it's new information that they at least have to look at. Because if that brings back into play the potential of a season uh, getting pulled off at an earlier date, then I think it's their responsibility, AR, to look at every single option and not just go off the information that they had they had prior to August 11th or what led to that decision on August 11th. What can change their minds is a little bit of evidence here of what may happen for the other conferences, these campuses, how much they can thrive during this now that they've welcomed students back. The testing, as you mentioned, let's see what happens to other programs. I'm not in this camp of you have to play 10 games this year to be eligible to be picked by a college football playoff committee. You'd like to if you can. That's why they were building in some flexibility in the schedule in case you had some off weeks that you needed uh, to survive this. I'm not. You and I have been fairly objective in this. I know that if it's a lost season, it sounds hard to stomach, especially you know with how much emotion is is put in and how much work is put into these football seasons. I think the Big Ten has a little bit of time now, not. I don't think they're going to reverse course immediately. I don't think that the, the call that Warren and President Trump were on today, they both defined it as being productive, so that's good. At least the Big Ten, you know, when, when President Trump called it productive, I think the Big Ten issued the same statement that mimicked that, that they felt it was. that they, they Here's their okay. quote. The Big Ten Conference and its Return to Competition Task Force on behalf of the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors, are exhausting every resource to help student-athletes get back to playing sports they love at an appropriate time in the safest and healthiest way possible. It's very generic. It's noncommittal. It still puts what they're calling the health and safety ahead of everything, that they're not going to be forced into this by emotion or protesting 
or name calling. They're they're just not going to do it. Well, now, I t- it, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to finish by saying that when they see some evidence of conferences pulling this off for three to four weeks, that's when I believe they would feel safe into giving it a shot, depending on what's going on at their schools and their conferences and their states. And that's where it is. I, I'm, I'm not at a, I'm not like tipping this well over 50, 50, but I'm, I'm, I've been there. I've been, I've had this thing with a heartbeat on it. And this gives it, I think more of a heartbeat. Yeah, and you know, I was kind of on the other way where I was, you know, kind of ready to take it out of the oven and slice it up and, and serve, you know, the well-cooked meal. But it, this absolutely has to change my mind a little bit. Now, the question is, is it going to change the minds of, you know, these presidents and these medical mm-hmm. experts? And what was the information that the president brought to Kevin Warren? And how was that exchange? And all that stuff goes back and forth. But I'll tell you this, AR, I don't think it was a good look by the conference last night when they put out you know, that statement and, you know, they put out the quote that says we will continue to be transparent. Like, I don't think you guys have been very transparent at all. And that's why you guys are receiving the pushback that you're getting. So just that statement, that part of the statement that they issued last night was definitely a head scratcher. But like you have been saying, like we've been agreeing on AR, we need these people involved to come out now again and let us know what the heck's going on in their camp, through their lens. Not what Kevin Warren has agreed to and what we've agreed to. No, for your specific school, what do you want to happen? And I think that if we get that, that would definitely clear up some things. But going back to you know the conversation we were having a little bit there in the Buckeye Bulletin, what Gene's saying, our players have been working over at the Woody. And we mentioned the tweet earlier from Teddy Greenstein from Chicago up there with a the head coach saying, look, we're trying to play as soon as possible. Let's go. So I don't know how quick the turnaround could be, but the mm-hmm. vibe that you're getting from some of these people involved, they are as well. Our players are in pretty good shape. And I reached out to some of my friends throughout one of the breaks. And, you know, these guys played at D1 programs and D2 programs. And I asked them, I said, how long would your body need to get ready? And they told me roughly between three to four weeks. So about a month is what they would need to feel like they were in game shape. But, if these guys are behind the scenes working right now, maybe they have maintained that game shape, and maybe that's why we're getting some of the quotes that we've seen today are that those guys in these respective buildings feel like they're ready to roll, and they don't want to get left behind in this college football race with all these other conferences involved. So we'll see. A, a quick turnaround, I guess, would not surprise me based off the vibe that we've been getting from coaches and players. I'm not worried about them at all. I, I think they're going to be fine. I think that whatever it is, it'll be they'll be able to adjust. These are pretty fine-tuned athletes, and these coaches are really smart. They'll know who's in shape and who's not. They'll know what's – that, to me, is probably the least of their worries. But it I do really think is. some coaches that didn't think their players weren't ready wouldn't just say, all right, let's go. I think some coaches would be smart enough to say, okay, look, I think I would try to – I want to push for a little bit more time to sure. get my team ready. So I think the answer would be different from all the different schools inside the Big Ten. Um, but, no, uh, I put more stock into these quotes than you do. Obviously, the coaches and the ADs and the players don't have the end-all, be-all, but it has to be from the top down. But I'm just – I'm talking about as far as – when their ADs and presidents reach out to their coaches and say, how close do you think you are, how much time you need, this stuff tells me or that they don't think they need that much time, which puts you right back in the mix with the other conferences if, if you can get it rolling that soon. Yeah, no surprise on that this was going to become political. You saw the pol- political ad from one side because yeah. they want, if a conference doesn't play in a lot of these swing states, 
they want the blame on, I assume, on the incumbent that, well, this is what happened, the mishandling of the virus, and this is what, this is what happens, and, and it wasn't safe to go back. And then the other side um, saying, open up, it's safe, let's get this going. I want to be the hero to the Big Ten schools. I want to be the hero to the Big Ten fan bases. It's, it's gotten incredibly political because you know where these, these states, you know where these schools are. There's very, very big areas that will influence elections. And so I, you can see why both have gone all in on it. It doesn't mean just because Biden and Trump did it that Warren did it that way. Like, I don't know. Like, there, there are people that, that accused him of saying, of him single-handedly pulling the plug on Big Ten till after the election because that's what he wanted. Like, so if they do wind up playing this season or before the election, and that'll put that story to bed. And I, you know, so I think we're just all stuck in a very, yeah, very tough, opinionated individual. Like I see a lot of reporting that's not even sourced. It's just right. I say I say it because I, <laughs> I believe know, me because babe. I say that's what it is. It's crazy. Like, come on, that, it's that's, crazy. Tom. It's all I know. it's all gut reactions. Like when we had Pete Futek on, he said, "Yeah, my gut tells me that they that those other conferences." Would, conferences would have better chance of being shut down than the Big Ten of coming back. Well, that's not going to be a popular opinion here in Columbus, Ohio. doesn't mean he's not entitled to his opinion. Yeah. Like, he didn't say that that's going to happen. Yeah, I know, you know man. We are, that's we been are... my problem with all of this, is that the information has been so wide and so weird um, that you don't know what to believe. But I, I will invest in right now that the conversation – that was had between the president and the commissioner is pretty big stuff like that to me means a lot and who knows the reaction we get they may dig in and say this is our stance we're going to stick by it but i do think some of the stuff that's happening ar whether that be the rapid testing whether that be high school games being played on national television that involve two schools in ohio one of them being my school over the weekend like that stuff just doesn't make the conference look good at all truth next rothman and ice on the fan in case you haven't noticed, we have a thing about hiring former Buckeye linebackers. If we don't, they'll kill us. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The Fan. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, evidently CB's going to give it the good old college try. Hit it. Yeah, we're going to try it. So first off here, reports last week that Jets camp that <laughs> Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore had a 60-40 timeshare for the first team snaps. Is there an issue with Bell's play, or do you think it's personal between him and Gase? <laughs> I love the effort. <laughs> yeah, I love the jaw- effort. Sounds like he has his jaw wired. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's an issue at all. I, 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 at this point in time, uh, Le'Veon came in. He's ready to go. He's chiseled. Gore is, you know, age defined. Uh, I think Gore's going to help Bell. Bell is a weapon still for Darnold and pass catching. Uh, I don't think this is a problem at all. In fact, the more I read about it, the more I feel like it's fine and dandy right now. I absolutely think this is a personal problem between Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell. And the reason why I say that is I, I got to go off the evidence that I've seen in the past it's and new, in the though. present between these two guys. Because Adam Gase's comments about Le'Veon Bell and that contract out of the gate, I'll never forget that. And that got them off to a bad start. And then recently... Outside of you bringing in an old guy in Frank Gore, you just tried to trade for Kalen Balazs, but lucky for Le'Veon Bell, that trade didn't work out. No, Kalen Balazs is back in Miami. I think there absolutely is something going on between these guys, and I think right now they won't admit it, but I've got evidence to prove that everything ain't peaches and cream between Adam Gase and O.L. Bell, the Groveport product. 
can't handle the truth. All right, so Saints running back Alvin Kamara missed the last three practices due to a contract dispute. Will he miss any games over this? Uh, I'm, leaning, I'm leaning no, AR. I'm leaning I, no. I think actually he's staying away because it's closer. I'm buying into that. I, why would you tempt fate now? If things are really close, do you get that contract done? It's the same thing that happened with Michael Thomas. Camp was, you know, he came in and didn't show up. Everyone got worried, had to finalize the deal. And so I'm going to go with no. I, I think the number is probably somewhere, you know, three-year, 40 mil max. Uh, it could be a free agent before he's 28 in 2023. He's their number one running back. He's their number two option out of the bat, you know, catching the football. But he's not a workhorse like Zeke or Henry. So if he gets somewhere in the 11 to $12 million range a year, I think they're pretty close, and I think that's why he's staying away, just not to tempt fate with an injury. I don't think he misses games, and I think maybe this is a little gamesmanship by he and his agent with, you know, like he's mentioned, the season's so close, and maybe they're thinking, hey, we'll put pressure on them because we've seen deals. You know, as things get closer to a deadline, deals seem to get done faster. So, no, Yar, you laid it out great. He is such an important piece to that offense. I would love to see him maybe, you know, take a little bit more off his plate with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, and Latavius Murray I think is still a solid number two running back. But, no, uh, if they don't get this thing done, um, they could get you know caught behind it a little bit here, especially with Tom Brady and company in that division. They can't waste any time, and I do believe they play them week one, so they need Kamar. Did you say, I know my truth? I know my truth. All right, one more here. So reports say that the Knicks are looking to bring back Melo, but how much does he have left in the tank? Look, man, from what I've seen from Melo, I think he could definitely be a rotational piece in your amongst your team. I don't think he wants to be you don't want him to be hoodie mellow the way he's in the gym training getting up a ton of shots, but I think we just saw man, you pair him with some mm-hmm. dudes that can really you know, handle a lot of the load each each night, and that's C.J. McCollum and Dame. I think that's a good formula for Melo. He accepted his role, man. That's the biggest part because going back to his days in Oklahoma City when he took the podium and, and that reporter asked him, AR, so what do you think about coming off the bench? He replied, who, me? That is a completely different mellow than what we've got now. So I think from the neck up, his mentality changed. I do think he has value to a team if he's going to continue to play this way. Yeah, I mean, he's earning his money, right? 15-6 and six guy uh, when playing at the power position. When you shift the small forward, he hits threes. I think he was hitting 40% or more. Um, the president of the Knicks obviously loves him. Former CAA client that he is of him. and um, I don't know what they're going to do with Randall unless they move Randall. Um, I think he stays where he is. Uh, I don't think they're going to overpay for him. I don't think anyone's going to really overpay for him now. I think he's in a good position. And also, they got R.J. Barrett. You remember R.J. Barrett, young yeah. stud from Duke. Like, do you want to, yeah. you know, because if Melo comes back with that young team, Melo's not looking at that team AR and saying, I should be coming off the bench. He's looking at that team saying, I could get buckets and I should be the guy putting up a whole bunch of shots. So it's a romantic story bringing him back. But I think you get more value from Melo at this point in his career if you surround him with dudes that can go get it. Yeah. All right, that's truth. We'll come back with... Tribe announcer, Tom Hamilton, Rothman and Ice on the fan. The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The fan. Ohio sports destination. Sports talk. Well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. 
right, it's been way too long since we've talked to the legendary announcer Tom Hamilton. Tribe won back 21-14 and 14 as we navigate our way through a season that no one could have predicted. Hammy is on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Hammy, it's so nice to talk with you. How you been? Oh, great to be with you guys. Doing good, thanks. Just, uh, you know, hard to believe we've played a month of baseball and we're down the back stretch here with a month to go. So uh, yeah. it, it's strange that way with the trading deadline, guys. I mean, it's you like the trading deadline being May 1st in any other year. So it, it's unusual, but it's been fun. Yeah, right in the thick of things, though. And before we kind of get to the the weird season that it is for you, let's start with the headline from yesterday. Do you like the trade on paper? You know what, guys? I always feel like, especially with trades involving prospects, we're just too quick to try to judge trades. And when, when you're dealing with prospects – to me, it's kind of like I love when they hold the NFL draft and then writers come out with report cards the day after the draft, and it's like, report card on what? Uh, you didn't like who a guy drafted, and that would be based on what? You know, you know, you weren't out there scouting guys and so on and so forth. So I've never understood these. And I, I hear the winners and losers at the trade Why we play the games? To, to see how these things work out. And I think when you look at this trade from the Padres standpoint, it is an immediate bump to them because it gives them a front of the rotation starter. And, you know, especially when you go into a best of three playoff series in October, you know, you, you've got to have dominant starting pitching and certainly they get a big weapon in Mike Clevenger on the Indian side of things. You know, it's different than when the Indians, for instance, traded for Andrew Miller in 2016. You knew he was going to be a difference maker. I don't think we knew how big a difference maker at the back end of the bullpen. With this trade, guys, we we need to see how these six players turn out. Austin Hedges is a veteran catcher. So I kind of take him out of the equation because he's a great defensive catcher who doesn't hit for average. And in a lot of ways, he's kind of the mirror image of Roberto Perez. So defensively now, the Indians have arguably the two best catchers in the game. Can Josh Naylor give this ball club a bump offensively playing every day in the outfield? Well, we'll find out. He's never had a chance to play every day in San Diego. And with young players, they need to play every day. And they need to play every day for a couple of years to really see what you have in them. I think Cal Quantrill is going to make an immediate difference in the Indians' bullpen because he's a dominant power uh, thrower, a right-hander who'd been working you know, on the back end of the bullpen for San Diego, and, and that's where the Indians also need some help. The three kids, guys, shoot, who knows? You know, you're a prospect until proven otherwise. They're highly regarded. They were three of the Padres' top 11 prospects, and San Diego has arguably one of the top four minor league systems in baseball. So, you know, if you're getting guys from that system, it's better than, say, Milwaukee, which has arguably one of the worst farm systems right now in baseball. Those are the teams you stay away from trading with for prospects. So I I don't think we'll be able to judge this trade for another three, four years. It's a little bit, guys, um, if you want to make a comparison, when the Indians traded Cliff Lee to Philadelphia, The only guy that worked out in that trade was Carlos Carrasco. 
but it took a while for that to develop, and Carlos Carrasco has been a, a pretty good dividend. I don't know that you got enough for Cliff Lee when you look back at it in hindsight because the prospects didn't pan out. Tom, you've seen some tremendous pitching throughout the years, and that's coming off the heels of Kluber and all those guys within the last couple seasons. And now it seems like another kind of star is born here in Shane Berber, Bieber, excuse me, just being up and close and personal to what he's done this season. Just uh, kind of put into words what you've seen from this guy that's kind of taken over the league. Well, you know what, guys? I thought when we saw Corey Kluber, you were like, oh, boy, we're never going to see this again, Not not in my lifetime. You don't get those guys, you know, that win two Cy Youngs. I mean, the Indians have never had a two-time Cy Young Award winner. Shoot, Shane Bieber is better than Corey Kluber was at the same age. The the one thing we forget about Corey Kluber, he was 28 years of age before he had his first full big league season. And, you know, Shane Bieber's 25, and this is his third season in the big league. So, He's actually ahead of where Corey Kluber was at a similar age. I don't think there's any question right now he is the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. At least he has been to this point in 2020. And you know what, guys? This the beauty of our game. He was not recruited out of high school. He threw in the mid-'80s. He walked on at UC Santa Barbara, not exactly a baseball factory. And, you know, the next thing you know, he's pitching them to the College World Series. He's a fourth-round pick for the Indians, and I don't think you would trade Shane Bieber in any scenario right now for any other pitcher in the big leagues. So I didn't think we would see another Corey Kluber. By golly, we, we have another one, and he might be better. Boy, he's terrific. Let's talk about a little bit. We're talking with legendary announcer Tom Hamilton here on Rothman and Ice. So Plesak gets back in there, and he was you know part of the – uh-huh. sideline dude with Clev, and, and they trade Clev because of the luxury they have here. Uh, Polisak in his, in his three outings have been – he's been pretty good. Yeah. What do you expect tonight coming off of all of this, where now he fills that hole, he's expected to come back, he comes back from a little bit of a PR nightmare with his team. There's a lot of pressure on this dude tonight. Yeah, I, I would agree. And to answer your first question, I have no idea. <laughs> what to expect because you know zach's a pretty emotional guy and so sometimes that emotion is great sometimes it can get in the way if you try to do too much i have no idea what to expect tonight uh from zach plesek because you know guys he hasn't pitched in a major league game Hmm. since the first weekend in august so it's been almost a month since he pitched in a major league game and you can do all you want at the alternate camp those games are sim games. You don't have the adrenaline. Um, you don't have the competition that you're going to face on the big league level. So, you know, I think it's really going to be interesting. I think we'll get a, you know, even with Clev, when he came back, he was rough the first couple of innings, but he was able to get through that without any damage. And then he settled in. I, I think the first couple of innings could be tough for Plesak. To me, if he can fight his way through the first couple of innings, he'll be okay. But to your point, um, you know, he's walking back into that clubhouse now for the first time in a month uh, since they had the meeting in Detroit when basically his teammates said, uh, we don't need you for a while. And so there are still some bridges to mend. It's not anything that's irreparable. They made a mistake. The problem is they compounded it. 
and that's why this thing took on a life of its own. This thing should have been over, guys, in three or four days. If they just come up front, say, we messed up, we're asking for your forgiveness, we were idiots, it's all on us. Instead, there was the denial, there was some lying involved, then there was some not accepting that they even did anything wrong. I think that was an eye-opening meeting in the hotel in Detroit, which they saw just how big an issue it was with their teammates. So you've got that part to deal with, which, again, I think that's going to be fine. He's going to be welcomed back, but you know how that is. Um, You know, the first time you have a fight with somebody, you're friends again, but there can be some awkward moments for a while. And then I think the other thing, guys, that hasn't been talked about, Zach Plesak's best friend is Mike Clevenger. They pretty much spent the winter together working out during the pandemic. They stayed with each other and continued to work out. And now his best friend has been traded to San Diego. So, you know, I I think it's a lot to throw at a young guy. Zach Plesak's a great kid. Uh, So is Mike Clevenger. They made a mistake. But we'll see how it goes from this point forward. I don't know if tonight will be a fair judgment on what the Indians can expect from Zach Plesak the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. This, this could be a little rocky tonight. Tom, I, I wanted to ask you, just get your take on kind of some th- new things that we've seen um, evolve here in baseball, whether it be the universal DH, the extra inning rules. What, what's your take on kind of the road that baseball is going down? Because I know there's people on both sides of this. Where do you, where do you sit with some of the new stuff that you've seen take place? Yeah, it's a good question because – I'm a traditionalist, and that's because I'm old. So usually <laughs> old people are more traditional. But um, I have really been swayed by some of the new things that I didn't think I would like. I do not like the three batter minimum. I, I think that's an idiotic rule. I don't care for that at all, but whatever. Um, I did not think I would like the extra inning rule. I love it. I, I love it. I think... It brings some strategy back into the ballgame, um, especially, you know, you hear the National League purists say, oh, with no DH, there's no hit and run, there's no bunting, there's no strategy. Well, the only people that bunt anymore in the major leagues are pitchers. You don't see many everyday players bunting anymore in either league. But you do now with the extra inning rule with a guy starting at second. And I think it's intriguing because it makes the manager – make a decision. Do I play for one run? Do I play for multiple runs because the opponent's going to have the same advantage when they bat in the bottom of the inning with that runner starting at second? I really enjoy it. There are too many of our extra inning games that go too long because everyone tries to be a hero and tries to hit a game-winning home run, and that's why you end up seeing games that go 18, 19 innings because no one's just trying to manufacture a run. They're trying to end it with one swing of the bat. So that part I've really liked. I personally like the universal DH. I don't enjoy watching a pitcher flail away. And, you know, there aren't very many pitchers that can handle a bat. And I just think it's a boring part of the game to watch a guy go up there who's an automatic out. That's my feeling on it. But, again, I think the nice thing about our game, people can disagree with that. And I I get it, and uh, I respect other people liking maybe the old traditional ways as well. I didn't think I'd like the extra innings, guys. I hope we keep it. I I really do. I I think it's added some intrigue to the extra inning games that I didn't envision. 
The one and only Tom Hamilton with us, uh, Indians announcer, and uh, what, four decades in and more. Uh, we The visit went too fast, Tom. We really appreciate it. We'll have to have you back soon, and hopefully we'll be talking about some postseason baseball with you. So you be well, and we really appreciate and value your time. Oh, anytime, guys. Love being on with you, and take care. Thank you, Thank you Tom, Tom Hamilton, uh, veteran, legendary Indians announcer on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Uh, obviously a strange year, Matt. Him calling road games from monitors, and uh, yeah. but he's calling baseball. And I know I've, I, he's been on the record saying he's, he's grateful for it, and it's very easy to, to lose perspective, and you have to keep it. He's doing his job and continuing to do it. Uh, hey, yeah. we got uh, oh, yeah. to, to cut you there, but Go got ahead. an NFL two-minute drill coming up next. And we've got some fairly exciting news that will be, and I'm just getting it right now, that will be towards one particular pro team in our state. I'll tell you that in the drill. Next, Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station, the fan. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit MarkLevyDDS.com today. All right, the Joe and Joe show are locked in. As CB said during the break, this will make the migraines go away pretty fast. Four-year contract for Joe Mixon and the Bengals. Yeah. So it'll tie him to Cincy for five more years. They're still going over the language to finalize the deal, but uh, this is something where I didn't think he was going to play hardball. So four years, 48 mil. That's a pretty good payday for a guy that is actually certainly worth it. His production would tell you that. And a lot of people think he's going to really break out. Uh, last year under Zach Taylor, he had 18-plus touches in 10 different games. Um, now, the offense with where it is, A.J. Green, can he stay healthy? Can the receiver stay healthy? But you lock him in with Burrow now, and that makes for a nice one-two punch. Oh, the dude, he's a beast, man. He is an absolute dog out there. So this is just straight cash, homie, for Joe Mixon. And we mentioned it yesterday. It's the new term that's floating out there in the NFL world, AR. It's the hold in. I'm mm-hmm. going to be around, but I ain't participating. Uh, no, what I was impressed with. Those migraines, la- man. Yeah, man, he well, does migraines. <laughs> what, I, what I was impressed with last year was how hard he played throughout the whole year. AR, I mean, his highest mm-hmm. yards per attempt last year came in the month of December. We know the season was definitely cooked for the Bengals so he was still playing very very hard for a team that didn't have much to show for it in the win column so I think this is definitely deserved I think he's a well-rounded running back come out of the backfield catch the ball all of that good stuff and now he's playing in an offense to where defenses are going to absolutely have to respect the guys on the outside so I don't know how many you know stack boxes he's going to be running into and all of that stuff. So, no, I think this was the absolute must move that the Bengals had to make. You don't let a guy like this walk out of your building when you're a franchise that's trying to rebuild. So this is a no-brainer, and I'm good with the cash. I'm good with the number of years on the extension. Mm. Uh, I think it checks, checks all the boxes I would like as a Bengals fan because he's one of the best in the business, man. A lot of people were writing about Curtis Samuel and, and, and just not knowing, like trying to make some excuses for the, the lack of production last year. The quarterback play was bad, and a lot of people wouldn't disagree with that. And there are plenty of wide receivers who have had bad quarterbacks, but um, we got to find out something about Curtis. The Charlotte Observer is reporting that Samuel has not been impressive during Panthers camp, and he's regressed since the first day. He's been dealing with a hamstring tweak, Sounds like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are out playing him. I don't know what this means. It's mm. practice. 
But everybody thought this was going to be a big year. This is the final year of his rookie contract. And if you have uh, Curtis and Anderson project to be fighting over targets, and remember, the number one weapon is CMC So and more. So if you're not impressing now, uh, this, this might slide Curtis in some fantasy drafts. Yeah, this isn't good news, man, because when you, you look at the turnover that this team you know, has had with their coaching staff and bringing in Matt Rule and giving him that long contract, he ain't going anywhere. So under a new regime, they may not love Curtis Samuel with mm-hmm. the way the previous regime did under Ron Rivera. And you bring in Joe Brady, big, exciting name, offensive coordinator, young cat, 30 years old. Like You would think maybe in this new offense he could find a role there, but they did bring in Robbie and Anderson, and they did bring in Teddy Bridgewater. So, yeah, that, that uh, you don't like hearing that, but maybe you know you could put a lot of it on the hamstring. I don't know, but I did think AR, this was a new, fresh opportunity for Curtis Samuel because, you know, like he's a spark, man. You get the ball in his hand, you think. his hands, you know, the defense, right, has to be a little bit uh, scared of what he can do. But, yeah, he's behind it right now from the stuff that you just mentioned, sticking with the Buckeye wide receivers for 1,000. Curtis Samuel did return. The Colts practice today, he's been dealing um, with that concussion right. issue. So both those guys, they are kind of view similar, that it's time for them to go do it. It's time for them to go Wait, get it. Wait, you said, you mean Paris? Paris Campbell. Yeah, Paris okay, Campbell. Okay. Yeah, He yeah. came back today, um, and I was just saying, I view both of them kind of in similar situations where they got to show their franchise, you know, that they're worth keeping around. Because I believe in the talent, but you know these NFL teams ain't waiting for anybody. No, there's always new talent coming. And speaking of maybe one guy sliding in fantasy, one guy going up, J.K. Dobbins, your guy. I will likely have a significant role in Baltimore's offense. That's not going to be surprising to anybody, but Dobbins should have an immediate role. Uh, you got Mark Ingram and and Dobbins and he'll be the guy else. not too long into the season. Yeah. They, like I said, they ain't going to be able to deny. Yeah. I think that maybe you should draft Colts. him at ten, Maddie. Just take him at ten. <laughs> See, I mean, you like him so much, can't you take him? I mean, why do you want to do that to him? Just take him at ten, man. I'm sitting at fourteen. Help a brother out no, over I'm here. not letting the good players fall. You love him, him that much, you take him at 10. Right, look, it's J.K. all day in the black and purple, man. You know I'm excited about that, but I don't love him that much, not at 10. All right, boys, nice show today. We'll yep. pass the mics off to Common Man and T-Bone. Have a great afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow at high noon. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan Sports Center. Good afternoon. I'm Paul Keels. The Big Ten confirmed reports today. The Commissioner Kevin Warren had discussions with the White House about trying to get the season underway as soon as possible for football. It's believed the main purpose of the talks involved getting rapid coronavirus testing from a new government stockpile. The Big Ten released a statement today indicating their wish to return to competition at the appropriate time involves a safe and healthy manner. Cleveland Indians try and snap a two-game losing streak playing in Kansas City tonight. Zach Plesak pitching for the Indians. Matt Harvey for the Royals. Cincinnati Reds, who've also dropped two in a row. Host St. Louis, Kwong Young Kim pitching for the Cardinals against the Reds, Sonny Gray. NHL playoffs, the Islanders face Philadelphia tonight. New York leading that series 3-1. Vancouver against Vegas. Knights a 3-1 lead. NBA playoffs, Boston against Toronto. Celtics took the opener. Utah and Denver meet in the seventh and deciding game of their series. Breaking sports news when it happens on the fan. Ohio sports destination.